0: Cloud9 advances. NA is safe for now. Uh, we got lots to talk about with groups. Finally starting groups are in, like, just a couple of days. Play-ins are done. Play-ins were very good, very quick. Awesome stuff. And then also some groundbreaking news coming out from the BYG laner Moan Mawan. We don't know how to say his name, but we know that he's cheating, and this is quite bad. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. This is episode 60 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250 250. 250 where are we starting we're starting with the cheating stuff
1: yeah i actually I, just cuz i googled it i prefer not that i prefer but if i ever mess up his name i'm going to just default to moana the the disney movie that's what i'm going to oh, call oh nice that's that's what okay. i've decided
0: yeah so i i'm really excited to get into the play and stuff and the group stuff but this is like uh, unbelievable that this happens to like i'm not surprised at all that this news breaks But I am surprised that it breaks during the middle of the tournament and then you have to sub out right before best of five. The timing couldn't be any more worse for this, can it?
1: Yeah, it's pretty... Like, first of all, the whole situation is just, like, absolutely fucked. First of all, you're leaking strats to your friends, supposedly, for, like, for betting purposes so that their friends can bet on their matches. And it's funny because before all of this news came out, from watching the BYG games... I thought Moan was their worst player by far. I mean, maybe not like by far, but I definitely like definitively thought that he was their worst player. I was going to kind of ignore PK's first game when he played their first game of plans and looked pretty terrible on the uh, the Kennen when he kind of got counterpicked by the J4. Um, but other than that, I mean, I thought Husha was doing a decent job despite not playing very well either. Eno was kind of like getting dragged along by Doggo. <laughs> but dude, to me... Moam was looking like Poe Belter on CLG, where one, his laning was terrible, two, whenever he would make plays around the map, he was always late to the play or making the play at the wrong time. Like, the, the main thing we always talked about with Poe Belter on CLG is he would TP top level three in order to try to save top lane's lane, which was already fucked, and then he fucked his own lane by having to TP. And pretty much he did that in almost every single play in game, and I wouldn't be surprised if that guy was sandbagging games as well as leaking strats.
0: Well, and see, that's the thing, right? It's like, this is fresh news. So for those that are unaware, we're recording this just like an hour or two after play just finished. So Cloud9 just played against Peace. That's when we're recording this. And so their news came out last night. And so there's probably still got to be an investigation or something done to see how far this stuff goes. And you could be right. Let's not say that that is the case, because we don't know. But you could be right. Maybe he was sandbagging. Who knows? Because if you're willing to cheat a little bit by leaking strats, and and apparently that's what was being leaked, right? I just want to get this right. He was leaking pick bands, correct? Am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just draft strategies from what the initial kind of tweet was, like, you know, rumored.
0: Right, and I guess I guess the point that I'm making is, if you're willing to cheat, how far are you willing to go to keep cheating? And sandbagging is something that I could see in the realm of possibility, although we have no, uh, like, there's nothing that shows any proof of that at the moment. But like I said, this is, this is brand new. I'm sure Riot still has to try to figure out what exactly went down, who was all involved. Maybe there's more than one player. We don't know at this point. And that's what's so crazy about it, is like, if you're Riot, you don't even know what kind of punishment to do because maybe, I I don't know, like maybe it's not anything to do with him. Maybe it was someone else on the team. Maybe there's just like, there's wrong info that got out, but you have to quickly make a decision and say, look, we're banning him for the rest of the tournament um, and there's no time for him to appeal or anything like that. There's none of that. There's no like process that you could properly go through to figure out who's at fault and what they're at fault for. You just have to quickly make a decision, say, all right, this guy's out and we're rolling with it. Good luck in your best of five tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to quickly read out, first of all, the tweets that came out, which kind of like broke this news sort of. And it was from uh, one of the people on the PCS broadcast. Um, And basically, you know, they tweeted out saying right after the BO5 between them and Galatasaray yesterday. um, It basically said, Malin has apparently been leaking pick ban to people for betting. Dinter, which is uh, BYG's boss or presumably CEO, not really specified turned his stream on earlier to say that he was going to fire Moan right now, that they were not sure what the official ruling was going to be, and that BY, BYG don't have a mid-sub for tomorrow's match against Homo Life. There was also another tweet saying, there's also a rumor that more than one person on the team was involved with leaking picks, and the staff confiscated everyone's phones to find out. Really heartbreaking if true, especially after their BO5 against Galatasaray.
0: Then, so I didn't know that last. Oh, there's more. Sorry. Go well, ahead.
1: I was just gonna say then. Maybe, maybe a couple hours later, you know, like they released a official ruling, like your competitive ruling, whatever they. You know, basically, when they tell you that like a player is getting banned or fined or whatever, and mm-hmm. it, it just reads during the 2021 World Championship, Maoen violated Rule 9.3 of the 2021 World Championship Rule Set, which prohibits association with gambling. Competitive integrity is the foundation for our sport, and we take all violations of our rule set extremely seriously. The competitive operations team. Obtained definitive evidence showing Mowen provided inside information to a friend for the purposes of... Roi- for the purpose of... Jesus. For the purposes of wagering on today's match, he'll be suspended for the remainder of the 2021 World Championship and may be subject to additional penalties following a full investigation. Abus. Right.
0: And so... Did I hear you correctly in saying that they think it's possible that other players were involved as well? Did well, I hear that right?
1: What it said was the rumor was that other players were involved, and the BYG staff confiscated everybody's phones to find out.
0: Now, when they say other players were involved, they mean specifically for BYG, or they're not clear on that because it could be just you're BYG. Leaking... Other players right, on the be... team,
1: it says. Right, but at the same, okay. but like I said, like that was the rumor. But since there were no other penalties handed out, I think. Right. He's, as of right now, we can kind of assume that he was the only one involved.
0: Well, and that's what I, that goes back to what I was saying before is like you don't have time to do a full investigation on this kind of thing and figure out who was involved. So it's possible. I'm not saying that it's likely or anything like that, but I'm saying it is possible that someone else who was involved in this cheating gambling scandal just played a best of five today. It's possible.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you can't rule it out, basically.
0: Right, and that's whack. But I mean, what do you do if you're right? I don't like. Yeah, anyways, I don't envy anyone who has to make the competitive ruling on a situation like this or have to make such a quick uh, investigation. It's probably for the best, spoiler alert, that they got knocked out today. Um, So that, could you imagine if this team ended up moving on and you still have a cheater playing in the group stage? That would be an even worse nightmare than it already is.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other thing that kind of sucks about this whole thing is I think people really identified, even before today, like how insanely well Doggo is playing and to kind of just do this and like ruin this guy's chance at like international success or even like just some international recognition is like pretty fucking terrible. Like you'd have to think with as well as Doggo has played in 2021 with one going onto PSG at MSI as an emergency sub and like absolutely popping off two finishing second in the V in the PCS beating PSG in a best of five. Like this guy's probably going to be like a big ticket free agent or like a lot of PCS teams could be even PSU Talon, maybe LPL teams. I know a lot of the PCS former LMS players, like those top players do get, I don't want to say poached because it's not poaching, but do they do get offers from the LPL. So, you know, for a player on your own team to kind of hurt your own chances to find success elsewhere is just pretty scummy as well.
0: Well, and it completely overshadows, like it's completely overshadowed, right? By this... Exactly. Now but again. Doggo
1: absolutely smurfed their b 5 against galatasaray And now right. like all we're talking about is this guy.
0: Well, and here's the thing, and I'm not again, I need you need to be really careful with this stuff. I'm not saying this is the case, just to be clear, but it's still possible that Dago was one of the other players involved in it, right? Which if we He's find that boy. out then he it's like do it. then it's then it's like, well, okay, then you shot yourself in the foot. Again, not saying that he did that. My God, you gotta be careful when talking about the possibilities of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, it is really unfortunate to your point that a guy who probably was the only good performer on his team. I wasn't really impressed by anyone else on his team. Yeah, uh, pretty is much. Completely overshadowed by this this whole thing. It uh, it's absolutely just a mess. And uh, the the other thing too is that I am not surprised by this at all. I was trying to ask you last night. I can't remember. I know I've talked about this before. I don't remember if it was on this show or on Hotline League or if it was just. Ch- Chilling in Discord, but I'm not surprised at all that there are people leaking sc- scrim strats because it's just, first of all, you've got really young kids that are just, well, they're not really mature and they don't really think about what they're doing. Like I don't know how old he is, but there's a possibility that this guy is only like 19 years old. I- again, I don't know his age, but if you think about, if you look at, we'll use some LCS players for example of guys that like are great friends and happen to go to another team. Um, what's an example? I'll I'll use I'll, you know what I'll use I'll use Sneaky and Medios as an example cuz they're no longer playing anymore but like do you think that when when Medios left C9 way back in the day to go play for P1 there wasn't times that Sneaky and Medios still like got together and spoke and not even to necessarily give away strats but it could just be you're just shooting the shit and you're talking about a certain interact from a champion you're like oh how'd you learn that and oh I learned it in a scrim against blah 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 like that's not even like you're leaking strats but it's totally possible that this stuff happens because you're not really thinking about this kind of thing. You're just like, so many of these players that play against each other just happen to be friends. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if if leaks happen all the time. This might just be the first one that um, got out. And this one, obviously, with some serious, the the difference between my example and this one is that my example is just like, you're not really, there's no like ill intent. Whereas this one, it was specifically for gambling, which is like, clearly for some you know some benefit to yourself and just terrible ethics you know what yeah I mean? he's
1: 18 by the way i just looked it up
0: right and so uh, one thing that i remember saying about the last time i spoke about this is like it is so so important that the owners and coaches of their teams have talks with these players of just how much of an impact this kind of stuff can have on their careers You need to reach out to these players before any of this stuff happens. This is something I I remember specifically saying because they don't realize just how much of a mess this can be and how much this can just completely mess up their career. This could be the end for Moan Mao. I don't know how to say his name. This could be the end of his career. This could be the end of his career. Who knows, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, who knows? I have no idea, but it definitely, it, it hurts your career for sure, and I have no doubt in saying that. Yeah,
1: it's definitely going to lose him his spot on this team and will probably limit his ability to get a spot on another team, whether it's starting in the PCS or whether it's on an academy team or an amateur team or whatever.
0: You would have to imagine that the suspension will not just be for a one best of five, right? He shouldn't be able to play come January when leagues start up again, I would imagine. Yeah. That would be a really small suspension for something so serious. That would be crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so that's the official ruling on that, and there's probably still more news to come after Riot does an investigation. Who knows how long that's going to take? But um, if I'm any owner, GM, coach, whatever, I'm going to my players immediately and just highlighting this kind of thing, just so they have a grasp, so they can grasp the understanding of just how bad this uh, this thing is to do, because you can completely fuck up your career. Yep. Okay. Uh, anything else on that, or do you want to move on?
1: Yeah, we can, we can talk about the best of fives.
0: Okay, where are we starting?
1: Well, I mean, pretty big difference in the BO 5s today uh, compared to yesterday. Whereas yep. yesterday we had 10 total games, some pretty banger games, some pretty spicy games. Whereas today, I think other than one game between C9 and Peace, game one was pretty uh, cut and dry with what was going on.
0: Right. Uh, where are we starting though? Are we starting with yesterday's BO5s or today's or what are we doing uh, here?
1: We'll just we'll just, we'll quickly talk about yesterday. Um, you know, like we said, there's not a whole lot to talk about with these BO5s. I mean, none of the teams who were involved advanced. Uh, however, you know, we got to quickly like circle back to Doggo real quick and how hard he was just absolutely playing. Like he was trying to hard carry in that BO5 against Galatasaray. You know, BYG complete the reverse sweep. They lose game one, and game two. Doggo is literally, like, trying to carry his team across the finish line. Malin's um, completely sagba- sandbagging games one through four, but actually does kind of play well in game five. And, I mean, I mean, I don't really want to, not giving him any props
0: there, but. it not it so, like, ugh. I know we just talked about it, but everything's tainted now. Yeah, Whenever exactly, we talk yeah. about this team, everything is tainted because you're like, well, he had a bad game. You're like, did he really have a bad game? huh and you question everything and knowing that other players might be involved could completely taint the whole thing <sighs> i'll i'll try not to stay too stuck on that guys I- i'm sorry it's just it's in my head i can't ignore it but you're right though like the most of the team didn't really play all that well even though it's funny though because even though i wouldn't say that byg had that great of a series a lot of people were still saying that like this was a 5-0 and they in like they yeah, should yeah. have won every single game right
1: yeah it was funny like a lot of people were tweeting like oh my god like first 5-0 we've ever seen at worlds or something
0: right and i don't blame them for saying that because they should have won all of their games their their objective control is quite bad they're deciding to take fights where they have no need to take a fight. You could just take the dragon. You could start to secure soul or you could go to Baron and you could actually finish the Baron instead of pulling off. I think it was at like 3k health or 2k. I don't remember. But really, really terrible decision making around objectives specifically. And that's why they weren't able to close the series out in a 3-0. It ended up being a reverse sweep. Um, but yeah, I, they were clearly the better team. But um, their mistakes that they did make cost them big, and that's why we had a five-game series.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sucked because on on the flip side, it felt like Galatasaray, you know, we saw them in the first day of of the playing stage, and they actually looked like a really, really solid team. I think we saw a lot of good plays out of both Crazy, their top laner, and Mojito, their jungler. Mojito was pretty, like, exclusively picking, like, the Assassin jungles with... He was playing a ton of Talon, was playing a ton of Xin as well. Xin Zhao's not an assassin, but Xin Zhao's just a really strong champ right now. But I thought he was playing pretty well and uh, they kind of seemed to hit a bit of a wall. And, you know, we kind of, it felt like we saw their ceiling on the first day and, you know, there wasn't much more, you know, room for improvement from there.
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things that stood out yesterday specifically was their bot lane Galatasaray didn't look too good but again we talked about how good Doggo looked I think there was definitely a gap when it came to the bot lane um, specifically because you're against one of the better AD carries in the world right now people are saying um with how good Doggo's been so obviously to me like Alive did not look very good I thought that he, he you could definitely tell he was worse than Doggo and that bot lane didn't really go well at all same thing with Zerg Sting um not too impressed with those guys honestly uh i wasn't Uh, but like you mentioned i was actually impressed with crazy especially at the start of the tournament his first game on who who who's that against
1: he he was playing j4 into pk's canon on byg
0: was he i thought it was the other way around anyways was it uh, at some point in this, in the, I'm pretty sure Crazy played a Kennen game. Oh, so, I remember sorry. His cannon...
1: you, you were right. He he was the one playing Kennen into PK's J4. Sorry.
0: Okay. I didn't know that it was against PK. Anyways, his Kennen was great. Not only did he, one, just win that lane straight up, but over and over again, he was pulling TPs or like forcing the enemy to TP and getting nothing out of it. He absorbed so much pressure in that game. I was really, really impressed with Crazy. He did fall off a little bit as the tournament went on. But overall, like, I thought this guy was a good top laner at the start. And, yes, it was only one game. But at the start, I was like, oh, my God, are we going to have another Armut 2.0 here? Like, <laughs> the the Turkish top laner is popping off, and maybe he gets signed to another team next year. I mean, it's still possible. Um, but I wouldn't say he had as good of a tournament as Armut did last year. But definitely a standout player in the top lane. So I was, I was pretty impressed with him from Galatasaray. Yeah,
1: the, the strength of this team was definitely, you know, more the top side of the map than the bot side of the map it did kind of feel like that their bot side was just a bit of a liability in general bululu wasn't really doing a whole lot i mean he was pretty much exclusively playing a lot of like mages um and an occasional twisted fate game but i thought he actually did a pretty solid job of working with mojito and crazy to get that side of the map ahead but whenever the team was losing like they were just hard losing bot and that, that was pretty much the reason that they were losing
0: yeah, I, I think you just made me realize something. Um, I completely forgot about this, but what you just said was he was really good at playing with his top and jungle, and that I completely agree, because they made a lot of plays in the top lane. And, of course, you can give a lot of the credit to the jungler in the top lane for that as well, but that's all three of those players that you need to give credit to for that. Specifically in lane, I wasn't too impressed with Balulu. There wasn't really much else that came from lane. But Yeah, I mean, he, he was just playing
1: mages, like, yeah.
0: Right. To your point, when working with the jungle in the top laner, he was really, really effective, and so you gotta give credit there. But overall I thought uh, not the greatest tournament for Balulu, to be honest.
1: Well, I think we'll we'll flip over to our second Fiesta, which was uh, Peace versus the Red Cannons. I actually I thought this BFI was a lot of fun. Mainly so because I, I thought Peace <laughs> was actually like doing a lot of creative things in the draft to like actually get like a lot of advantages. Like I fuck I really loved um, the Aatrox mid pick in, like, what was it, like, game three uh, with the Lilia and the Poppy, because it basically just, you know, it basically just allows for Aatrox to do whatever he wants and, like, went ahead, Aatrox is, like, a super, super disgusting champion and I think Bapib also just did, like, a really good job on Lilia in that game to begin with. I just really loved, like, a lot of the stuff that Peace was doing in the draft and I think it'll 100% work against, you know, the weaker teams, like the Red Cannons, but we kind of saw a little bit later in the C9 series, like, some of those creative picks don't exactly work against the better teams
0: yeah i I always have like it's the same thing uh, uh, we talked about it a little bit during msi i just feel bad for the oceanic region because and i've said this before it's that the region is just gutted and they're just picking up the pieces and trying to rebuild the region after north america has just yoinked all their players right and so i feel bad for a region that's like They weren't the greatest region to begin with. They were just a a minor region. And then your whole league folds. It's hard to build up and to stay competitive with the other regions. And that's something that they've maintained the ability to do, even though it's not in every game. I really did not expect them to be able to beat uh, Red in the series. And so I was really, really happy for Peace. That, uh, To me, that is a big upset. Because, uh, again, if you lose the majority of the best players in your region... And then you have to go up against the best team in another region. You shouldn't win that. You shouldn't win that at all. And I, I know a lot of people will point to Red playing really bad. And don't get me wrong, they did. But I think it's something that uh, Osh fans should be really, really happy with. That not only are they able to take games off of teams, but they're able to win a best of five. That is more than what you should expect out of, out of a region that's clearly struggling just to keep the pieces together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, like you said, it is pretty impressive for a region to, one, get gutted. And then Mm to go up against top teams from the other regions. Like, for example, like, yes, they obviously got destroyed by Hamlet Life and LNG in the playing stage. But, like, the OST number one team, who's just been one year out from being completely gutted, like, Mm -hmm. beat the best team from the CB LOL and from the uh, LLA, which are two pretty big servers in comparison to them. Right. So, like, like you said, like, it is very impressive for kind of like, as you said, like, they got to pick up their pieces and like rebuild. But, they're still beating the you know, other minor region teams, which is really good.
0: Yeah, it's something to be proud of. And I, I think it's especially, um, what's the word? I don't know what the right word is, but I think BABIP should be really happy as well because this is a guy that just got kicked off of TSM Academy, basically just saying like, hey, we don't want you. And then he had a pretty good series. Um, he looked like one of the better, better players for Peace. And so I think that's kind of what you want if you're BABIP. Like, it feels bad to get kicked off of any team. But one way to redeem yourself is to go to worlds and then start being one of the best players on your team to pick up a series win for your region so i i'm really happy for Babip, and i'm i'm sure he probably feels the the same um the other the only other like performance in this series that stood out to me was the one game that uh teton played ezreal yeah that was Um, the first game he had one int moment where he eat in and then Babbitt just immediately Jarvan comboed onto him and punished other than that the rest of the game this guy was 1v9 on Ezreal man holy crap he's landing so many Qs um just absolutely hitting every single one and so i, I thought that he deserved a shout out for that even though the rest of his uh series wasn't that great i thought that that was one a 1v9 performance from Teton and i think he deserved a shout out for that
1: yeah the main thing i thought T10 was all right, for the most part, I think Him and Grevthar were probably like Red canada's most like important players. Not to say that they were their best players, but I think they're most they impactful players. Out well, the thing I was actually pretty confused by that because pretty much in the entirety of the group stage of play-ins, like he was their best player. He he was actually doing the most for their team to like attempt to you know win like Red Cannons put up decent performances against, you know, both LNG and Humble Life in the early games, mostly off the back of Greftar making plays. And then, like, they put him on this Kled mid-pick two times. I looked it up. He did play two Kled games in the CBLOL, but, like, I mean, you ain't doing B-Chief. Like, you're not playing Kled mid out here. And <laughs> it was just kind of surprising to see them sub him out. Um, I guess, you know, it, it was obvious he wasn't having that great of a series. But, like, for the most part, in the previous, like, six other games and plans, like, he was their most impactful player. And I mean I don't think Avenger did much of anything. So it just No, he didn't. It just felt like a weird sub to me that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I feel like if you were gonna sub somebody out, like it would have been like their top laner or something, because I didn't think their top laner Guigo was very good.
0: No, he wasn't. And that's the thing though, that's that's what I was going to say is like even though Avenger didn't look that great and Grebtar I can't say his name, but Grevthar, whatever it is, he didn't have that great of a tournament either not really anybody did on this team like, not not anything that stood out to me anyways yeah, uh, like, like, yeah. again like,
1: like i said it wasn't like greftard was like actually smurfing the game but he was the one actually generating a lot of leads in the early game for uh red All, unfortunately though you know despite having early game leads against teams like homolife and lng like they just got rolled in the end so
0: yeah, and then the other player that I thought actually had a good series as well was Tally. I thought that this guy um was yep. pretty much just a rock in the mid lane. I believe kinda, he played some Silas in that in that one. I think yeah, he had Silas. He had
1: right? a he had a pretty big Silas game. I think it was game two. Um and then he also had some other not so great games. But uh, you know, he's yeah. kind of he's kinda of going for like Dardock mode where he's just like picking a bunch of unique champions. So you know, I like yeah.
0: it. Anyway, so then they move on and then let, let's get into today's series uh we starting with hanwa
1: yeah there's honestly not too much to say about the series um it was you know the game plan was hanwa's game plan was let's just kill doggo repeatedly in every single fight and use every single resource possible to kill him and if they killed him they hard won the fight and you know there was a couple times and a few games across the series where they would go for these like 3v2 plays on doggo byg would actually outplay i think kino was pretty much doing as much as he could possibly do to try to peel doggo in a lot of these fights but when you have five champions dogpiling on top of one it's pretty hard to escape
0: yeah so it's interesting that you you bring up the idea of like look let's just shut down doggo and we're good because at one i think you're right but i also wonder like is that because mid and top were just absolutely stomping their lanes the whole series that it's like the only guy you need to shut down is the 80 carry yeah he's the only I mean, one with resources pretty much. or or is it just because he's the only good player right like it's a bit of both it, the mid and top gaps were just very apparent in this series yeah um I, I wrote down some of the cs leads let me find them uh oh yeah so leong was playing cled mid he had 70 cs at 15 minutes <laughs> against Chovy. by the way and if those that Some of you probably, most of you probably know, but Chovy is one of the best laners in the game, and he had 150 CS. So he was literally double his CS at the 15 minute mark. So you can have an idea of, like, like, you don't need to shut down the clut. He's already shut down. And then I don't know if I wrote down the other one. Uh, Okay, in game one, oh yeah, they had Trindomir and Gwen. Uh, and they were against the Fiora and Aurelia, and both of them were down uh, ten to thirty, or excuse me, twenty to thirty CS, and that was at the ten minute mark as well. So those are two separate games that their solo lanes are just getting absolutely stomped, and that goes back to what you were saying. You just need to shut down Doggo, and you're good, and that's pretty much how this series went. That was GG.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I just one thing, just to kind of talk about like Chovy and just to put like something into perspective here. Um, in all of twenty twenty one. That's like all of Hanwa's matches in 2021, and well, I'll reiterate, and we talked about this in our last episode. Like there were times where Hanwa was like really, really struggling. Like they were kind of like they were a bit hit or miss in spring. They did make playoffs, although they weren't the best team. It was mainly off the back of Chovy, and in summer th- there was a portion where they were pretty much like losing all of their games in the middle of the season. They started out kind of solid. They were losing a ton in the middle. Kind of picked it up towards the end. Just to throw some stats out here. Despite them playing really terribly, Chovy averaged plus 17 CSD at 15 minutes in the LCK and average 10 CS a minute out of all of his games in 2021. Like there's going to be games where you're getting completely shit on. And like in those games, like you might be getting shit on. And like you said, like what guy had 70 CS at 15 minutes. Like even when like they're absolutely getting shit on Chovy still averages 10 CS a minute. He's up 17 CS at 15. He's up 600 gold at 15 minutes. Like that's just insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, that is insane, especially because their team struggled, like you mentioned, most of the year. Um, so yeah, I, that gives an idea of just how good of a laner Chovy is, and that's why people go on and on and on about Chovy. It's because he's able to shine when he's on such a bad team. If I'm being yeah. kind of blunt.
1: But what I actually will say is, in my opinion, it kind of felt like Chovy was like pretty invisible for the most for the majority of the playing tournament. Like to me, I thought. Hanwa's story in the plains was way more about like Willer and Morgan and Deft, as opposed to Chovy. Like, if I would have to say something, it would probably be that Chovy was like the least impactful player on Hanwa's life in the playing tournament. Not to say that he was playing bad. I I don't think he was playing bad, but for the majority of you know his games, like he was just doing his thing laning, and I think Willer was doing a ton of work on the map, especially in top and bot, getting Morgan ahead. I thought. Hanma Life's biggest struggles were going to be top jungle because one, it took them a very long time to really figure out their top jungle uh, synergy. And then second of all, it also really took them a long time to kind of get settled in into the meta. We only really saw at the end of the split when we were seeing a ton of Camille top lane and Talia jungle out of Morgan and Willer. Like that was like pretty much the one-two punch of Hanma Life in the gauntlet was like Morgan played Camille or Cannon and Willer played Talia, And they would just like absolutely stomp top lane. And it was kind of like the same thing in the playing tournament. Like, I felt Morgan and Willer were doing a really great job. Chovy was kind of off doing his own thing. Enemy teams were sending a ton of resources mid. We even saw that in this series. Like, sure, Chovy was, like, absolutely snopping lane. But we saw multiple times BYG sending three mans at Chovy. He would sometimes die, sometimes survive, still maintain his huge TS lead. And then Depth and Vista were just, like, doing their own thing bottom, like, playing well. Like.
0: So I, I, it's actually a good point because I do think that Morgan and Willard did ha- actually have really good tournaments. And coming into the tournament, um, there was a lot of criticism thrown Morgan's way in the top lane, and he did not stand out like like people thought he would. People, I I heard many people talk about how this was the weakness uh, of Hanwha Life, but like it didn't really look like it in this uh, so far in, in play-ins, right? Yeah, I and mean, it could change. Yeah,
1: there's going to be a lot right? of good top laners. Like I think right. in his group, he's got what like. Well, actually, his group's not that bad. He's got Adam, Hanabi, but he's got Jahu. And Jahu is probably like the litmus test for Morgan to see how well
0: he's playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I, I guess my point is like the the thing that could have held them back from not moving uh, on from plans would have been the top lane, and that definitely wasn't going to be the case yeah. in this tournament. He he looked more than fine up there. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm still expecting Chovy to, to play very well. And again, not to say that he was playing bad. I just thought that the success of homo life in the playing tournament was because of willer getting morgan ahead and playing well with the bot lane
0: yeah yeah uh do you want to move on to the cloud nine series cloud nine piece
1: oh yeah the na versus os it's the new rivalry fuck na versus eu it's na versus os
0: yeah uh another stomp series but it didn't start that way in game one man okay um yeah, um So, JT, do you remember you, a little bit? you can, can expose So, yeah. So, can you can expose what what did I say about Peace last night? Do you remember? I don't even remember. We talked about them last night. I basically just said like there's no way Cloud9 is ever going to lose this series oh, yeah, and yeah. I basically said Peace is absolutely trash tier team in comparison to Cloud9. Um yeah, so I, I definitely had that thought process coming into today. Game 1 was close pretty much the whole way through, and I started to question that thought um, pretty much right off the bat because bot lane died immediately um, with Nami Lucian, which is supposed to be a broken bot lane. Uh, this was a stomp from Cloud9, and that's that's good and all, but they still show some weaknesses, man, and that is not a good sign at all from Cloud9.
1: Yeah, the thing that... Well... First of all, I think the game plan from Peace was good for the most part. Like, they recognize, hey, we're the underdog team. We're most likely going to get outlaned by all their players. So the best thing that we can do is pick a lane and just repeatedly gank it and say, hey, we're going to win this lane. You need to go win the game through the other lanes. And I think that's exactly what you need to do um, when you're a super underdog team. Like, I'll I'll jump back quickly to when I was talking about the Red Cannons and how they were playing against um, Humble Life and LNG. Like, they pretty much implemented the same game plan where, like hey we're gonna pick a lane focus this lane down you guys need to go win the other lanes to win this game and that's what it felt like from peace to me like yeah i think game one was a little bit of like a fiesta because then was like kind of just like chain running it down like i think he had like what five deaths in like 12 minutes into the game or something like that playing the nami Lucian. um but you know like you also said, like despite Peace basically throwing their entire team bot lane, like Cloud9 was pretty much even the entire game. I think the lowest point they ever dropped in fifteen minutes was like not even one k gold. I think it was like eight or nine hundred gold. Was like the low was like the highest goal lead for Peace. Maybe it was like just over a thousand, but it was pretty close for the most part. You did see Parks die one time really early, but I think that was more like off the back of a great roam by um, Aladoric. Um, I kind of thought that he was actually their best player. Um, for the most part, in the playing stage, it would either have to be him or Babip. I think I would go with
0: Babip for it, me. Yeah,
1: I think it was either him or Babip. Um, and I think you kind of saw like when Peace was actually playing very well, it was more off the back of like their team plays with jungle support rather than like their individual laners like making a nice play. Because I don't think we really you know. saw too much of that from them. I think we did see that against <laughs> the weaker teams. But when we did see Peace go up against like the more tough teams, like when they were finding success, it was because they were making intelligent team plays. Um, one thing that I'll have to just reiterate again is, well, I guess I haven't said it now, but I've been saying this basically while watching the games. God, for the love of God, please stop picking Amumu into Leona. That matchup is so horrid. I do not understand why teams continue to pick it. it, it, it it's just like baffling me.
0: Well, Amumu looked bad uh, pretty much all of plans. Right? I know. Regardless, and, and, but, but, regardless of who he's against.
1: But it's the same thing. But, like they're, they're picking Amumu into Leona which is a losing matchup, which I don't understand.
0: Yeah. yeah, we saw in one of the games Leona was first picked, eh? That doesn't happen very often, or at least yeah. it never used to. Maybe it does now. What do I know? Um, I, I actually I, I feel bad calling this out because I think he's in a tough situation, but I thought Vizicachi had a terrible tournament. I thought he was their worst player for Peace, and like you would think that this this veteran coming from Europe would be a huge like improvement to your lineup, and and look, I don't want to just completely ignore that there's a lot of synergy issues when joining a new team and whatnot. But this guy just got pl- hard stomped in, in almost the whole tournament. I thought he was definitely the biggest weakness, and I felt bad again because it's not an easy situation. But this is a guy that's trying to become or go back and play pro next year. This hurts your chances big time. He looked really really bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, like, what else can you really expect? Like, I think, you know, people might, like, say, like, oh, well, look at Doggo when he was emergency sub. But, like, that guy was actually, like, playing and was on the second best team in his region. Vizzicachi hasn't played in, what, like, two and a half years? Plus, he's been, you know, coaching. Like, not to say that, you know, I was expecting something from Vizzicachi. I thought he had a couple of, like, decent games. But I would agree with you. Like, for the most part, this guy was kind of just getting shit on.
0: I would expect, so again, it's not a, an easy situation. Like you just mentioned, he hasn't played in quite some time. But I would still expect that a veteran LEC or EULCS, if you want to go back, uh player would be able to sub into uh, um, a minor region team, especially one that we mentioned has been gutted as well, and be able to hold his own and, and at least play to the standards of the rest of his team. And we didn't really see that. So I think that it kind of just hurts his, his chances of finding a team next year. Although, in all honesty, you'd probably have to join um, uh, an academy team or a uh, – what, what do they call it? The ERL, the European Regional League yeah. team, in all likeliness. I don't think that he would go right back to the LEC, but who the hell knows. I yeah, don't... I don't know. It just
1: It just felt like against the weak team, it felt like he played solid, not like great or anything, but against the good teams, he played pretty bad.
0: Yeah, and... I thought he got picked on a lot, and it was – free kills in the top lane. Yeah. The other thing I'll say too is that specifically with Cloud 9 is I thought Fudge actually had a good play in. Um yep. I think he's been their best player and it's weird cuz that is not the first time we've said that this year. How many times have we said that Fudge is Cloud 9's best player since MSI pretty much? Isn't that insane? Like isn't that crazy? yeah I, mean, I i i'm still so surprised, and for those that are long time listeners will remember at the start of this year, I was very critical of i mean everyone was very critical of Fudge he was absolutely sprinting it at the start of the year, right so i was uh, unbelievable the the turnaround yeah he was bad dude he was absolute trash no, but i was like, I was honest. just
1: saying like we got to trust the process here.
0: The thing is i don't think anyone said like you don't you don't have to trust the process but well, people, no one would have predicted saying, he'd be the best player dude yeah that's that, true that's but i mean difference. but i mean
1: people were calling for fucking darshan to come in and it's like uh, okay like i think we can like ride out fudge a little bit more before we result to putting darshan in yeah He's getting fucking yeah. gapped by Kato Lee in Solo queue. so I don't think we want Darshan and uh...
0: people don't know that reference. Okay,
1: Kato Lee is one of our friends, Brendan, and he was like absolutely destroying Darshan the other day in solo queue. So Yeah, we're, we we're... I I don't want him starting top for C9, thank you very much.
0: He was streaming it to us in Discord and yeah. we were watching, and he was just shitting on Darshan and yeah. Um Yeah, that wasn't a good show. It's solo queue, man. Like that happens yeah. to everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I think the gameplay from the game plan from peace in terms of just camping bot lane was really good. And I think, you know, we kind of saw that in their drafts. Like they pretty much drafted solely around to attempt to win bot lane. I think cloud nine did make some pretty pretty bad mistakes into uh, in in game one with their draft, like not taking the ZinZao after the early MF pick because ZinZao was just like a straight hard MF counter. Like that champion almost becomes useless. Um at a certain point into the game if you have Zinzhao because of the interrupt and because of the ulti damage, like uh the like the Xin Zhao ulti to block MF's alt damage. Um and like, you know, like I like I said, like sure, you know, you can die once or twice early on when Peace is throwing all the resources bot lane, and you're kind of like just out laning mid and top, but like dude, Zven was like really chain into it. Like they had no front lane on no front line with N- Lucian and Nami. And you pretty much saw Zven would dash in for some poke. And Peace would just like jump on him and there was nothing he could <laughs> yeah. do about it. He would insta-die. Vulcan would have to burn his flash. And you could really see how terrible Nami looks when she has no flash. And that was like kind of like just like a counter... Uh, like a... What's the word? It was a byproduct. Sorry. It was just a byproduct of like having no front line. You just have like this Nami with no flash that is constantly getting picked on. We saw time Vulcan walked out of lane to go up to the river... Bapit was there, Zen out, just would press W, jump on him, flash, flash over top the bubble, and just kill him. And, you know, I think, you know, we saw in game three, they kind of had a much better Lucian Nami comp, and I think they, they kind of got, got their legs under them, and you saw, like, Sven was just, like, solo diving, MF, like, level three. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting that I never actually knew about the Lucian Nami, like, how the pick works now and why people are running Electrocute, is that you can proc Nami's Electrocute, on the empowers from Lucian. So for people that don't know, one of the reasons why like Lucian is a really strong pick right now is they gave Lucian this little mini change where whenever an ally empowers Lucian with like a steroid of some sort, you know, he does an additional point of damage. And one of the reasons why Nami's are taking Electrocute is because Electrocute can proc off of the bonus damage from Lucian. So pretty much just, you, you press any button on Nami on the Lucian, he dashes in and it'll proc Electrocute for him. So it's basically like kind of Lucian has like two keystones which is kind of really cool. I didn't actually know that they said that during the series, and I was like, "Oh wow, like that makes a lot more sense why people are running electrocute as opposed to guardian." But at the same time, when you chain die, the pick looks really bad.
0: Well, and the other thing too is that Nami is always Nami and Lucian have always been traditionally two very good laners, and so when you have that and you have this, as someone in the points, as someone in the live chat points out, a really cheesy kind of strat, like it's going to be even more busted, right? So it's just a they're probably going to need to make some changes to balance that out, but I mean, we're probably going to see it for the rest of the tournament, or we're going to see some bans at least.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I kind of actually see it the opposite way, where I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Nami. Uh, I think we'll see I think we'll see Lucian, because I think Lucian's a really mm-hmm. strong champ, but I, I just think the really good teams are just going to absolutely abuse a champion like Nami, who is so vulnerable without flash, is so easy to punish, even with flash, if you have your own Very flash. Very Similar to like Amumu, the champ just seems really one dimensional and really easy to predict what he's doing and does get hard countered by a lot of champions. So, like, you know, I think Amumu is just bad in general. Uh, so, I don't think we're going to see that champion at all. I'd be really surprised to see any of the good teams actually pick the champ. The only matchup I think Amumu is good into is Rakan because similar to how Leona versus Rakan works, where Rakan ever jumps in, you can instantly lock down CC him. Amumu kind of works in the same fashion where you just ulti whenever he Ws in and then double Q him and he'll just always insta die. Um, and Any other matchup pretty much seems terrible. And I think, okay. you know, with Nami, like, we dude, there are so many, like, good supports in group stage. And if any of these, like, you know, lower tier teams, like any NA team or any wildcard team, like, locks in, like, Nami into, like, a good player, like, they're just going to pick Nautilus, they're going to pick Alistar, they're going to pick Leona, and they're just going to run you over.
0: Nami is very high risk because she's susceptible to getting picked off. So that is that is definitely true. Yeah, Lucian Brom. We'll have Dude, have to Like, I now. would
1: much rather to see people play Lucian Braum than Lucian Nami
0: right now. We'll have to see how that stuff pans out. Now, uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about C9 in a little bit, but I think we should probably get to DFM and LNG, right? In plans? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about them. Uh, DFM. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> As a Cloud9 guy, like if, we're, if you're cheering, any North American fan is going to feel pretty bad about seeing DFM beat Cloud9 to take the number one seed. But, I mean, hey, this is like a huge, like this is honestly huge for for the Ljl, right? Like for the Japanese league, this is a huge um, milestone, if you will. I don't know what the right term is. Uh, milestone. Un- yeah. uh, unreal for them to be able to to take a spot and play, uh, to take the first spot from play-ins in their group. Uh, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I think most people had it either between BYG or Cloud9. Um, but DFM showing up when it matters, right?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, they first made Worlds in 2018. They didn't advance in planes. They made Worlds in 2019, didn't advance in planes. They actually didn't make Worlds in 2020 because they lost in the finals. The V3, I think it was. And they've also made MSI, I think, in 2021 and 2019. And they couldn't advance out of that. So, like, this is pretty much the first time they've actually advanced... Out of the playing stage whether it be at worlds at msi and you you've always been able to tell like feels like whenever dfm is winning a game you'll always see a reaction from their coaches and like how emotional they are and like how much it means to them and it is like a pretty good like it's like a feels good moment for like the whole region because a lot of people have recognized that detonation focus me is the best team in that region and has been for quite a long time but you know the region overall is just so weak that it's hard to you know get good and get that great practice and I mean, you see them come into the tournament, and they basically smash their way through uh, Group B, only dropping the one game to Cloud Nine early on, which was C nine, uh, which was both teams' first game. And yeah. I think you know, if we want to talk about that game just very quickly, and you know why it was just like why the two games between C nine and DFM were so different, is it just feels like evi like completely, he's like the motor that makes this team work. Like when you get this guy on a good proactive champion, like set, like an Urgot, those are pretty much his two best champions in all playing stage, like. He might not, like, destroy his opponent in lane, but, like, he has just so much impact in teamfights. He's always finding insane angles on, like, what the set are. He's always finding great, you know, flash E's with Urgot. Like, I think the best play of plans to me was that flash E from Evi in that, like, bot lane fight where he, like, predicted the enemy's flash with his own flash E. Like, that was just, like, so insane. It's like when you predict Gragas flash E with, like, you're going to predict that someone else is going to flash, and you Gragas flash E and pick the spot that you think they're going to flash you. Like, some insane shit like
0: that. So I think Evi had a really good tournament. And I think he had multiple plays where he TP down as, um, as the Urgod to get some a couple of kills in multiple, multiple games. And so mm-hmm. he had a huge effect. And I, I do want to go back to the, the first game, how you mentioned like uh, why the games look so different. Game one of, of Cloud9 versus DFM is when Cloud9 was at their best, right? Like that was like a really good start to the tournament. I thought Cloud9 looked so good. I was like, wow, maybe this month and a half that they had off, help things turn around and and they just played through top lane and so evi had the gnar he blind picked the gnar but unfortunately that came with fudge picking the aurelia into it and that for those that don't know that is a really really tough matchup for evi and well like you said he might be the motor that makes this team work and when you shut him down which you can definitely do uh if you're if you're fudge on aurelia that could be the reason why we saw the games look so different and why dfm just got absolutely clapped in that game Towards the end, we saw Cloud9 start to say, make the same mistakes that we've seen them make in the past. Bl- blabber trying to take fights that he has no business taking. Uh, perks overextending in a side lane using his full LeBlanc combo to clear the wave and then just getting picked off. Things like that are is why we saw so night and day uh, games out of those two. But um, I do want to talk a little bit more about Evi because I thought he was the biggest surprise out of DFM and I thought he was just absolutely insane the amount of pressure that he could have on the map.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna circle back a little bit to like the the matches what Cloud9 was losing. I think, you know, you look at their match against the Unicorns of Love, you were kind of talking about it, like Blabber taking fights he's not supposed to, Parks using his combo in side lanes. Like, to me, the Unicorns of Love game is the one that you, sh- as a Cloud9 fan, I think you should be less worried about in the DFM game, the way I see the UOL game, it was kind of like death by a thousand cuts. Like, c now were just making too many small mistakes similar to what they were doing in summer where, you know, sure, you know, they would kind of make some good plays and then they would make all these mistakes in terms of their setup, in terms of their laning, and the enemy team would correctly punish that. And I think that was that's more good by Unicorns of Love than bad by C9. Yeah, sure, it is bad by C9, but, like, the enemy team has got to be, you know, there proactively punishing your plays. The DFM right. game w- was... What makes you what gave cause for concern for Cloud9 going into their BO5 stage like this was a game where Cloud9 had a huge lead maybe not even a huge lead but just had a very you know solid lead and you know they're taking fights they're not supposed to. Perks is getting caught uh, early and often. Uh, Sven and Vulcan are making bad engages we see Sven getting caught in mid lane yet again. Um, and then you know I think Blabber was like the only one really playing well in that game and you can kind of see like Olaf at a certain point just kind of fell off of a cliff the main fight that everyone was talking about was when Cloud9 were on salt point. Drake was spawning, in, like, 15 seconds, they decide to, like... Vulcan and Blabber decide to, like, 2v5 flash into the enemy team to make, you know, this this play, which it was clear, like, they were just reaching for. Like, I've always said this about Cloud9. They're just, like, always so horny to fight for, like, no reason. Uh, even in the Unicorns of Love game, they took, like, a bad Rift Herald fight. Also in this game, took a bad Rift Herald fight. Like, you know, it's just and they picked a mumu and mm-hmm. god that champs terrible into leona i'll say it again
0: yeah um anything else on dfm i want to talk about lng before we move on yeah we can go to yeah. lng now yeah so i don't think there was a lot of surprises that lng won this group i think they were the favorite easy favorite is that fair to say for me they yeah. were far and away better than hle that was my expectation anyways was that they'd be far and away better than than Hanwell life and i mean we kind of saw that um Ale had a great play-in, really good start to the tournament for him. Um, Honestly, they looked pretty good from top to bottom now that I'm thinking about it.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing that I thought was interesting from LNG uh, just was it felt like, you know, going into the tournament, everyone was like, oh, it's going to be the Tarzan show. And everyone knew, like, Ale was, like, the right-hand man, but it kind of felt like it was the opposite. Like, Ale was just, like, doing all the hard-carrying. Tarzan was kind of just like following him and Icon around or like they were making insane plays. I was pretty impressed with Icon for the most part. Like I, he does, I don't want to say he is like Doinby, but his play style feels kind of Doinby-esque where he's playing unconventional stuff. He's playing more for the team rather than himself. He's not hyper-focused on laning like a lot of LPL and LCK mid laners are. Um, and again, like I'm not really try- I'm not trying to compare him to Doinby, but like I feel like that's the kind of a comparison that like talks about my point a little bit because it does feel like he's more team-centric than lane-centric and when a player is able to do that while staying you know even in cs in their lane like it's always very impressive because it's pretty difficult you know to constantly find those amazing roam timings where you can run top or you can run bot uh and just you know make plays while still having control of your own lane
0: yeah, I know we always compare to Doynbee, but I think he's the perfect example when you're trying to explain that kind of play style because he's the one that has pretty much made it a staple, right? He's the one that's pretty much made that play style work. So, I mean, yeah, you say, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with you comparing it to, to DoinB. That's just the kind of the, the style that you get. Um, I do agree with you that most people expected this to be about Tarzan coming in, and even though I thought that he still had a good tournament so far, yeah, it really was like a team effort kind of thing, which is kind of cliche. I will say that I, I wasn't too impressed with Light, the uh, the bot laner. I do expect to, to see a little bit more out of him, but I haven't watched uh, a lot of LPL this year, so I don't know if we should be expecting more out of him. Um, but altogether, like, this team just was clearly the best in their group, and so I'm not really surprised at all to see
1: him come out on top. The only important game for them was their matchup against Humble Life, and in that game, like it was really just Icon and Iwandi uh basically just controlling the game up to a point where Ale was able to carry on jacks I think Well quickly, Ale <laughs> Ale Ale whatever whatever they call them I
0: don't know it might be Ale Dude, people say know, Ale man.
1: people say Ale like I don't know man like the LPL casters then, say Ale and then everyone else says Ale it's like uh, And whatever. then
0: there's like then I've heard Galatasaray Ray Galatasaray Rai, Galatasaray Roy this weekend yeah. this is like that's the hardest thing about planes man is learning all the damn names that everyone is saying differently that is the that is the hardest thing. Anyways, um, Ale Ale, whatever you want to call them, uh, absolutely stomped in, in, in game one, and that's where I was kind of worried about um, about Hanwha Life. I was like, uh oh, like I mean, I definitely thought that LNG was going to be the better team, but I didn't think that they would get kind of stomped like that.
1: I don't know. If they, I don't know. I don't think. He's I wouldn't playing, say they got stomped.
0: Jacks, right? Yeah. I'm well, pretty sure that was his Jacks game. Yeah. I mean, he was in, kind of popping off on the Jacks.
1: Yeah, well, he popped off late game once they were kind of in a point where like. They were just controlled Humble Life's early game. Like, I think, you know, basically LNG just hard comped around Trindamir Irelia by picking Jax, by picking Gragas Smith, and by picking Rakan. And I think Humble Life was doing as good of a job as they could with trying to get Morgan ahead as Irelia. You know, there were a couple times where, like, they were actually making some good plays top lane, kind of slowing down the Jax, but, like, it just reached critical mass where, you know, you had this Gragas who has his E on, like, four second cooldown you have Rakan who can just peel for days and you have this Jax, you know, just like basically jumping into the backline and 1v9ing past like 25 minutes and you kind of saw that like it was a pretty even game up to about 20 25 minutes you reach critical mass and then the game just ended like 10 minutes later
0: yeah yeah um shout out to Lamau LP in the chat giving us the ale am I saying that right? I think I'm saying that right. I mean right. if ale. that's
1: if that's the correct pr- pronunciation like sure but people are still probably going to say ale on the broadcast or whatever so
0: Yep, and mm-hmm. again, they're going to say Galatasaray, Rai, and Ray, so well, uh, they're no, out, we're, so. Not we're really. stuck with that. Well, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, one other thing that I wanted to ask, because there has been some discussion about this, so I, I, I did want to get back to Cloud9, like I mentioned before. Is Cloud9 and DFM a rivalry, J&T? Because Cloud9 certainly doesn't want it to be that way. Um, but I don't think they really have a choice in the matter if you keep winning and losing, winning and losing. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, because what, their, like, all-time record against each other now is, I think, 4-2, um because they played twice at World's Plains 2018, where C9-2 owed them, and then they played at MSI 2021, where they went 1-1, one and, one, and then they played two times now, where they went 1-1 one one again. I would probably say it's a rivalry. Um, It's definitely, like, a more obscure rivalry, because these teams yeah. have played each other, what, six times in a total of three years? Well, that's
0: the thing, right? It's like you can't, it's hard to have a rivalry with a team you don't play very often, right? Yeah.
1: But I mean, it's like a, I don't know. It does feel like, though, from now on, like it is like a bit of a rivalry. If they ever, it's about as close
0: as you can get, right? (laughs) Like, if it's not a rivalry, which I'm not saying it is or isn't, but if it's not, I don't think you can get any much closer to it without being a rivalry. Like, I think it was Sven that was saying, like, he doesn't think that they're a rival and that they should just absolutely beat them. And, well, you did one game, but you didn't in the other, so... I
1: mean, mean, it's also hard to say, like, you know, it's... Like, I don't know. While DFM did finish first in the group, like, you know, it's more like Cloud9 kind of, like, lost it themselves and DFM won it, in my opinion. Like, they got stomped in the first game. And, like, C9 just played, like, absolute trash in the second game. And, I mean, you do have to, like, you got to give credit where credit is due to DFM in that second game. But at the same time, like, C9 should win that game 9 out of 10 times. And they lost it the one time. You know what I mean?
0: So, here's why I disagree. Because, like I mentioned before, we've seen C9 make some of these same mistakes over and over and over again. If it was, like, a one-off, like, let's say Cloud9's been playing great all year and then they had a one-off game and that happens. Sure, I could be like, oh, Cloud9 just lost that one. but like. Like I mentioned, these are some of the same mistakes we've seen so many freaking times. Do You remember in the series Cloud9 against 100 Thieves, how closer got many kicks off on Sven, like Sven getting picked. That same kind of play happened. You have to flash before Lee Sin gets his, his kick-flash combo off. You know he's going to do it. Perks in the side lane, using his full-leblanc combo on the wave against, I think it was a Camille? You know Camille's going to be split-pushing. That's what she does. You know that Camille's going to be there, and then he ends up dying. Blabber taking fights. He has no business taking... Like, this is just stuff that we've seen so many times that it's like, I don't know if this is Cloud9 playing bad or if this is Cloud9 playing the way they've been playing all summer long. Like, they're just maybe not that good of a team. And so I I struggle with this because Cloud9 came out of the gates looking so good. And I was like, yes, maybe, maybe that month and a half or whatever it's been that they've been off, they've been able to fix all this stuff. And then they just come out and lay an egg on the last day, man. Where it's like, nope, right back to the drawing board. They're making these same mistakes. I don't know what to think about this team. I, I have i I'm so stuck, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely is like like I said, I think if you're a C9 fan, you're more concerned about that second DFM game than the one in you, the one against UOL, in my opinion. Well, yes, it is it's not always the best to see mistakes that have previously happened. But on the flip side, like what they played eight games total and in five of them they like absolutely shit on their opponents. It's like I feel like my C9 stock didn't really like drop or like raise. It's still like I'm still like to be <laughs> determined because they really need like the true test against, you know, your your damn ones and their rogues and their FPXs to see where they're at. Remind- because I feel like we didn't I feel like we didn't really get like a a solid look at C nine because, you know, when they were winning, they were just like hard winning and the games that they kind of got behind in, uh, you know, they did sort of seem to struggle.
0: Yeah, it's actually a good point. Remind people JNT of your tweet at the start because I think it's pretty oh, funny
1: yeah. you tweet out day one. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, so after day one, or no, it wasn't after day one, it was after day two because they played. They only played one game on day one. They played two games on day two and they went 3-0. And I tweeted out, wait, let me, let me just find it so I have the I wording. thought it was after day one. Yeah, no. find the, find the word. I said, I wonder how hard the C9 narrative is going to flip about them not getting first in their group after their first three games. And then after they lost, I just replied with XD after they lost yeah. to, to DFM and UOL.
0: But the thing is, though, they, like, I thought you were right on. I was like, you know what? My perception of Cloud9 is changing. They looked good, man. Like, <laughs> they, their their first game against DFM, it wasn't like anyone had to completely stomp. They knew that their, their the way to win was to play around top because you got the counter pick. You just, Fudge builds up the wave. You dive top and you snowball through top. Perks would roam. He, Blabber would obviously make his way up there. And they just knew where to play around. They won the game clean. So I'm like, okay this is good. We're starting to look good. And then I'm not going to go through the spiel again, but I just went through all the mistakes that we've seen them make before. And then that just completely deflated all the confidence that I had in cloud (laughs) nine again. And so your, your tweets are just like bang on my thought process. Yeah. Like I was right there with you. The XD, (laughs) that is just too funny, man. That is Uh. way too funny. They actually just came right back down to earth immediately but anyways yeah. that was really funny i thought we should highlight the funny tweet there yeah uh okay i'm done blabbering not blabbering that's hmm. going on about cloud nine do you have anything else uh, about whether it be dfm lng or cloud nine uh or anything like that well
1: just since you said blabber um i think along with fudge i think blabber was probably their best other player uh in the playing stage i think apart from the one Zinzo game against the unicorns of love he pretty much destroyed or like played really well in every other game. In my opinion, he, he he was doing his job and a whole ton more. Whenever he wasn't playing Olaf, and then when he was playing Olaf, he was hard stomping the game. And kind of like I said before, like in their second game against DFM, where he was playing Olaf, you know they're just reached they just reached a point where the rest of CNI was too behind and Blaber wasn't able to you know really carry the game on Olaf.
0: Was did he play Olaf against UOL or no?
1: No, he played Zinzo. That was the one bad game that he had.
0: Cause I remember there was one time where they they were like Omega split up, and he's playing Olaf and trying to start a fight mid. Do you remember what I'm talking about?
1: Um,
0: is that against? I don't remember if it was against UOL or DFM. It was one of the
1: yeah. Well, he played Olaf against DFM but he played okay. Zinzao against you well and that was what i would say was Blabber's worst game cuz we did talk about like he was taking fights in his jungle where he didn't have any teammates yeah. around but
0: specifically the one in the mid lane though where he's he's mid and like his teammates are nowhere to be able to follow yeah up, no like, that kinda, that,
1: like, that was the fight that was the fight where Vulcan started off by like flash queuing on Amumu and then Blabber flashed after him to try to solo kill the support Leona while the rest of the four members on DFM killed all of C9 because yeah, Vulcan basically over basically Vulcan overextended, flashed into the enemy team, insta died while no one else on C9 was there, and then Blabber was like, Well fuck this. Let me just go flash on the enemy support and go kill him while my whole other team gets wiped. Yeah. Like that on was that, that was note, that on- was where they lost the game against UO uh, against DFM, but I would say that's way more of a Vulcan bad play than a Blabber bad yes. play.
0: And, and you're making me realize that we haven't really talked about Vulcan, and I thought he looked really, really bad on Amumu. Oh, my God.
1: That champ's horrible. Um, I, I don't think... I have no opinions. I don't think the
0: champion's horrible, man. I, I really horrible. don't. I, I think it's being played really, really poorly. I think you can only um, pick
1: it into Rakan. That's my that's maybe. my thing. You can only pick we'll it into see. that champ. It's the only the case scenario. The thing
0: is, the mistakes that I've seen from Vulcan's Amumu, or, or even Kino's. Kino was absolutely doggy on that, too. The mistakes that I've seen on Amumu <laughs> have nothing to do with um yeah i didn't even i didn't mean to do that um sure. the mistakes that i've seen from amumu have been not like oh it's bad into this matchup it's that's bad into any matchup these the mistakes that they're making so i honestly just don't think the champion's being played to its full potential at the moment but, sucks. Yeah. maybe maybe i don't think so but maybe uh okay anything about the eliminated teams any standout players or anything like that um, worst or best team that made it out of groups. Any any thoughts on that kind of stuff?
1: Well, I feel like I kind of talked about it a little bit, but the main two guys that I thought were pretty decent was Aladoric from Peace. I thought he was actually pretty. I mean, I feel like all the players that I wanted to talk about here, we already talked about and kind of gave them props. Like, I thought Crazy was pretty good for the most part, um, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. He was like doing really well. I thought Aladoric was, you know, one of Peace's best players, him and, you know, Babip working together and to making a lot of team plays. And I thought Grevdar was really doing a lot for. You know red before he en- ended up getting subbed out again more like uh, they were the best individual players because it's hard to be the best individual player when you're on a terrible team or a minor region team but they were doing a lot uh, for their team and i thought you know those three players were like were they eliminated teams the ones that i thought you know were having you know a lot of good games and a lot of good impact moments
0: yeah so i had i had the three players that i had stand out in a good way were doggo crazy and ale we talked about them plenty the the two bad ones for me that i thought looked really really bad were Bugax and oh, cody yeah. two players infinity, from infinity was
1: the worst team by far
0: that's where i was going next was i, I think they were definitely the worst team in this tournament uh yeah um Bugax on jace was i think that might have been against ole um it was against a wukong was it always wukong i think uh, it was yeah um which makes it a little bit better because Oli was probably the best top laner, maybe one of the best top laners, we'll say, in the plains. Um, so that makes it a little bit better. But I mean, it doesn't matter. Bugax is just hard trolling, man. Taking trades he has n- no business taking, just straight up dying, running it down. Uh, Cody was kind of the same. Yeah. Um, Ignore his so like I,
1: thirteen kill NAR game or whatever. But
0: yeah. Like I mean, well, that doesn't
1: it, really count. Like he played like shit.
0: Yeah. So the the thing with um, with Cody too, he was playing. It was, he was playing the LeBlanc into the Lissandra. Wait, let me get that right. Did I get that right? Yeah, he was was playing LeBlanc into Lissandra. And a lot of people will say that Lissandra is the counter to LeBlanc because when she uses her combo in, you could freeze her. That doesn't necessarily happen in laning phase, though. The counter is not a laning phase counter like a lot of people think it is. We saw that matchup played a lot in the LCS this year. The LeBlanc comes out of lane with an advantage, but later on, it's less of a target for LeBlanc to be able to use. That's why it's a good counter, is when LeBlanc comes in, you could chain CC her and just kill her in mm-hmm. late game team fights. But in lane, you should win that. And he got absolutely stomped on it. And I was like, wow. I was so convinced that this matchup was so heavily LeBlanc favored in lane. And now I had to question it. And Cody's the first player that I've seen get hard gapped on it like that. Um, He had a pretty rough tournament. That was the one standout game to me, though. Yeah, it felt like,
1: throw it back to MSI, like he was the only player on his team playing well at MSI. Like, he had some all-right performances. I remember on, like, Zoe and Silas. And then this time around, it just felt like that whole team was not very good. I mean, I think, you know, them being Infinity and, like, Unicorns of Love were in the running for, like, the two worst teams. But, dude, I think if you put Unicorns of Love in the other group, I think they probably are better than... Uh, they're better than Infinity and they're better than Red, the Red Cannons.
0: Maybe. I don't know. The thing is, uh, I think this was in the comments section last week. Someone was mentioning how UOL is, like, not that bad or something like that. Um, I don't know if I can say that because I actually do think they're that bad. Um, I think their bot lane is, is that say. bad. It's hard to say because of the group that they were put in. Like, there was, like, decent teams than all of Group B for playing. So it's like, eh, maybe you're right. Like, if they were put in the other group, they pick up more wins. Um, some of the things that I've heard about UOL is like, well, they've looked good at in the past, in past worlds um, in play And while that's true, I think with a more bit of recency like MSI, we saw them really perform really, really poorly at MSI. And again, not so great this year at play So I'm, it, it's still small sample size and I would be willing to say that maybe they're better than what we've seen. But so far, I still think that they're a pretty bottom tier team as far as all the play teams go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they they definitely right. were they definitely were on the lower end for sure. Like I'm not saying like that they would have done much you better know. in group A, but I definitely think they would have been better than the two weakest teams in that group and could be like a toss-up against Peace or something.
0: We've seen better things out of No Man's and Ananossic in the past yeah. than we saw that yeah. tournament. Yeah,
1: so. Ananossic. He's uh he seems to have fallen off a little bit in terms of all like the mm-hmm. hype that he got.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but
1: I, like, I t- yeah, I mean, for UOL to me, like, it feels like their solo laners are like the only decent players that are on there, at least you know, compared to international level competition, and that includes like the number one seeds from all the minor regions. Like, Anagnostic and their bot lane were getting shit on, man. Like, Boss and Nomans were like the only ones like holding their own.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I really do feel bad for for the UOL fans. Um, I don't really have much more to say on it. They they didn't look good. It's not what you want out of your team.
1: I mean, they'll be back. It's not
0: the kind of performance you want out of your team.
1: They'll be back. They're the best team in that region, and they're the most popular team in that region, and it's probably, you know, be surprising, I guess, to see them not make the next international event because then that would mean they really fell off.
0: I would imagine that there's probably a fair bit of European fans that cheer for them as well because they used to be a a European, EU-LCS team, rather. Um, So, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that were pretty disappointed with their performance, but such is life. Uh, let's do Pop-Off Bean Soup, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I starting or are you starting? You can start. Okay. Yeah, guys, Pop-Off Bean Soup is back. It's been a while. I had to give my Pop-Off to Doggo. Um, I, I feel really, really bad for the guy we mentioned at the start of the show that his great performance is just going to be overshadowed by this whole little scandal with, uh, I'm not even going to try to say his name, but the mid laner for BYG, who... Iwana. Well, I mean... Yeah, Moana, (laughs) even though that's not how you say that. Um, It just sucks. I feel bad for the guy. He had a great tournament. Great. And to me, he deserved to move on, um, but the team didn't. And so he's going to be stuck not moving on because of subpar performances out of his four teammates. I feel like he was really trying to 1v9 the tournament. And, uh, I mean, it just sucks for him. He had a great Draven game. He played good on Ezreal. He even had some good misfortune. Um, I had not much else to say. He was popping off, so pop off goes to him.
1: Um, yeah, I I gave two pop offs because I wanted to. I don't care. Fuck the system. Sure. Um, Fuck first one, system. I'm with you to because that guy was like actually just like hard popping off. He had like the best KDA in the whole playing stage, and that's not like a whole lot to like be wowed at, but like it's pretty impressive. I mean, I thought he played really, really well, even in the DFM losses early on. I thought he was still playing really well. The only like game he could point to would be that game against C9 where he's playing like Jin Alistar into like some like full dive comp, which was like pretty hard. But like I mean, he managed to do a good job. I think for the most part, like he's like old reliable for DFM. Uh, I was pretty impressed by him. Like kind of like I said before, like is the motor for this team. But like you know, th- there's got to be somebody who's following up on all the OP Evi plays, and like Ytupon is just like absolutely like blasting people. And yeah, I, so I thought he played really well. I thought he played really well in lane as well. Is like he's like what I would wish Zven could be in terms of like playing safe in lane and not dying Ooh. like everywhere because Unipon just like doesn't die. He's actually, like this really is a pop
0: off award, JNT. You're not supposed to flame. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, to your point about the KDA thing. So I think people. I think KDA is either overrated or underrated, depending on the person com- it's coming from. So so many people will be like, this guy's got the best KDA, and it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean um, anything. Or people will be like, oh, um, KDA means nothing. To me, it's like, if you have the best KDA in all of the tournaments so far, what that tells me is that doesn't necessarily mean you're the best player, but it means you can't be playing bad and also have the best KDA. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like, I kind of use it as the extremes. If you have the best KDA in the tournament, there's no way you're playing bad. That doesn't necessarily mean you're playing the best, but it's got to say something, even though it doesn't say everything. So that's kind of the way I look at KDA. So I didn't know that he had the best KDA, and so I think, like I said, I think it does mean something.
1: Yeah, I think he... He's just, like, pretty solid, I think. You know, their support gang, or whatever I think his name is, he also does a pretty good job of just, you know... Reaching a certain point in bot lane where they basically just try not to fight, and then Utapon's in a position whether he's playing like Misfortune or whether he's playing Ezreal, like he can one v two the lane, and then Gang just leaves and never comes back, and then Utapon's just like, okay, I will just farm until team fights, and then when team fights come around, I am not gonna make any mistakes and just like absolutely butt blast everyone.
0: Did you say what his KDA was? Do you know? I don't know. It, it,
1: at one point, I think the highest it reached was like thirty two, and I think it ended up at like twenty
0: something. Mm. I mean that's pretty good. Short sample size, yes. And the next, the next, the next best were like, excited, yeah, the
1: next but... best were like the LNG players. So it's like you yeah. know,
0: like,
1: right. It's got to count for something. Like you said, like it's either overrated or underrated. But like when you're have a better KD than only LNG players, like you're doing something right.
0: Yeah, and I think the the point is it doesn't mean everything, but it does mean something. Anyways, yeah. uh, uh, what was your other pop off? I
1: gave it to Willer. I uh, talked about it a little bit, um, but the main concern of Homo Life coming into the tournament was top jungle. I think more jungle than top and it, you, people could argue either way but for me it was more jungle than top lane because i thought morgan was really like hard smurfing like the the regional gauntlet in the lck um but willer was like kind of a bit of a question mark and i thought he just played really really well
0: pog i thought he played well as well i don't have anything to add to that um bean soup i had to go with cloud9's game against uol because one i just mentioned how i don't think uol is that great of a team uh, and I have also mentioned that Cloud Nine was looking really good at the start of the tournament. And you need to freaking win that game, man. That is disappointing. All of the NA fans, you know that they're all disappointed with that. That is bean soup as fuck, man. You win that game. <laughs> you need to win that game. Yeah. That was like it just you could start to feel it. When they lost to UOL, all the NA fans are going, um oh, no, yeah, everyone man. started you sweating. Just knew, oh dude. Especially after it, it had already come out that Sven was like, I don't think we're a rival with DFM, and we should just beat them. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, man. Yeah.
1: Yep, I already said this like five times this episode, but I'll say it again. Mumu into Leona. Absolutely sucks balls. Stop picking it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, what okay. do I have? It's, wait, I wrote the stat down somewhere. Where did it go? Mumu's one in six into Leona. <clears throat> one win, six losses. And the one win was, I think it was like what Life. Beating, like a bad team so like it's zero six uh,
0: y- the thing is sometimes you with a pick like a mumu especially like that's a really big team fight ultimate that you get with a mumu so i would say that sometimes you're willing to take the losing lane for the winning team fight later and but you don't i didn't go it. I didn't look at all of the drafts specifically to see how it goes later on. I still don't think we can give up on the Amumu pick yet. I highly doubt it would be as picked as much as it is if it was in fact as bad as we've seen. So maybe, maybe it's, we don't see it anymore. Who, who, who knows, right? And what but I will—I'm not letting go of it yet.
1: What I will say is that it's three and eight overall, and the two wins that it has against are against Rakan, which is a good matchup.
0: That is a small sample size, but I yes, okay, sure, sure. Um, and, and like Lamau says in the live chat, I think people just get overly horny on the Q in lane. We definitely saw that out of Vulcan, right? Okay, well,
1: we here's, did. here's the thing, though. Like, I was looking this up because I was like, first of all, this matchup one sucks. And I was like, hmm, well, why does it suck? And I was like, well, the other Q is really short cooldown. So I went and I did a little bit of math about this. Mumu Q, yeah, sure. The whole reason why, like, Mumu is, like, this big new spicy support pick is because you got the two Qs. <laughs> And there's only a 3 second cooldown in between the queues. However, okay. the recharge time on rank 1 queue is 16 seconds. So if you ever take an extended fight in bot lane in Amumu against Leona, um, Leona gets 2 more stuns than Amumu does in an extended fight. And If whatever you consider an extended fight is like 15 seconds, Amu- Leona gets an additional 2 stuns than Amumu does. So like, you lose level 1. Like... The whole point about like a Moomoo support being like good is like it has a lot of like all-in potential. Level one, we can like burn summoner spells, and I think that's what we've seen out of the good teams, especially like when you're picking it into not Leona, you'll see people trade flashes level one and then regank the lane when the immobile enemy support has no flash. You just queue onto them, but against Leona, you ever queue in on a Moomoo, you just insta die. Have to flash out. It's just
0: well, and Vulcan did it after his he already had queued in and his aftershock or whatever was down. Yeah. So... Yeah, that just makes it even worse. And Leona had no aftershock either, but she's just naturally tanky. So, you know who's gonna win that trade? That was pretty bad. I, he ended up hitting a minion on his second Q, but I think even if he lands his Q on the Leona, I don't think it's. I don't think it looks much better anyway. Yeah. But let's move on. What, what's next? We got
1: a little talk about the group stage now because our groups have been, or the groups are official. Yes. Although we kind of knew what they were going to be, should there not be any crazy Florida. upsets? I mean, the one upset you could consider was that DFM made it out of Group B instead of BYG, but that doesn't change right. the fact in terms of where the other NA, LPL, and LCK teams were going to be placed. So, we're still
0: screwed. <laughs> we're still in a rough spot.
1: So, but, actually, uh,
0: that's to be expected.
1: Well, honestly, though, my opinion on this has actually changed. I think okay. if you go back and you look at other NA groups in the past, I think mm-hmm. it's actually easier than before. And I just want to throw out some some various groups that, you know, NA teams have been put in before. Okay. Let's go to uh Season 8 because there's a couple that I want to... Well, I'm going to mainly talk about Season 8, 9, and 10 because I think if we look back at those, we've actually had worse groups than these. So Season 8. Okay. We had C9 in a group with RNG gen g vitality and i think on paper going into the tournament everybody viewed that as like holy fuck insanely hard group gen G's former world champion rng looks like the best team in the world after just winning msi and, and i'm not i'm not really speaking about the results of the group but just what the groups looked like to begin with and i think that mm-hmm. is just as big a group of death as this group a is right now when you compare yeah, vitality was
0: a good team at that time that was with yeah. Jazuke.
1: vitality was the number two eu team was Jazuke on that team? Yep, that was like Jazuke, Shard, okay. Kikis, and Jack yes. Troll, and somebody else, oh, Artilla or Attila. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then
1: the next one that I want to point out is uh, also like another NA number three C group, which was in 2019, where you had Clutch Gaming as a third seed who just came out of play-ins. They were in a group with Fnatic, RNG, and SKT. Like that's a pretty hard group as well. And then you also look at 2019, Team Liquid was in a group with IG, who had just come off of Winning Worlds, Damwon in 2019, who were like the spicy new LCK team, and also AHQ, who were the number one LMS team. You look at that group on paper, like that group is insanely hard as well. And then we can easily just flip over to 2020, TSM had a pretty hard group with G Fanatic, LNG. Team Liquid had a hard group, who was in their group again?
0: They had G2 last year. They had Suning. Yeah, G2, and... Suning, and
1: Machi. Machi was the number one um, right. PCS team. Then, uh... Kate. Okay. let me out here. FlyQuest is in a group with DRX, Top, Esports, and Unicorns of Love, who, like, were also supposed right. to be a very hard group. So, like, what I'm saying is, I think if we actually look at the groups right now, like, I think we're actually in a better spot than we were before revisiting it. Because the, So, okay... I'll, 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 let here. I'll let you go.
0: You've you've helped me here because I made this argument last week. You're just doing a much better job of putting the argument forward. Do you remember me saying last week, or I guess it was like a week and a half ago, whenever we did our last episode, that like if we were to do these draws over and over again, would this be a better or worse? draft on average or uh, you know do you remember me saying yeah that?
1: i do remember you saying i still don't think that matters but i'm just saying What that i should like-
0: have done what i should have done though was gone to look in the past to see what the groups look like to make the example of why yeah. this isn't as bad as it's still bad and the point that i was trying to make and that you've done a better job of making is that no matter what cl- like cloud nine tl and 100 these are going to have a tough situation like north america is just going to have a rough situation because we are a worse region Like that's just the way it's gonna go. You're usually gonna get a Korean team, an LPL team, and an EU team, and just naturally those leagues are better. So that's why I was saying like this. This doesn't. This to me does feel like a high roll, a slight one, albeit, but a high roll nonetheless. Just because I feel like there's some teams that I'm like, okay, I can see a world where we get out, even though it's like these are not high chances, and we're still more than likely to struggle. I think it's still a good group draw. I really do
1: yeah and i mean what you and then, and then like if we want to go a little bit more specific like you want to look at it from cloud 9's perspective like i think they would probably rather be in a group with damwon because i think c9 thinks that they can beat them because they've done it in the past like they went 2 and 2 against damwon at MSI and that was when damwon was like still you know a very very hype team just coming off of winning the world championships and if you're cloud 9 you know yes fpx is just going to be this big scary monster that you're probably not going to beat but in Cloud Nine, it's you like you got to beat Rogue and Damwon. And your hopes, you know, for Cloud Nine and One Hundred Thieves is that you 2-0 Rogue and Detonation focus me, and you have to go one and one against any of the other two teams. Hopefully, you get three and three, and you go tiebreaker. You look at Group D, and you look at it from TL's perspective. Like they, in a sense, high rolled because one, you have the weakest LPL team, you know, in terms of seeding. You have Genji, who was kind of coming on. You know, they, they didn't end the season very well. And then no, they didn't. And then, like, I mean, yeah, sure, Cloud9 played, like, shit at MSI, but, like, dude, they beat Mad Lions as well. Like, TL can beat Mad Lions. Like, it's not, like, an unwinnable matchup. So, like, I agree. if TL can be better than just two of Gen.G, Mad Lions, and LNG, like, you got a shot. And, you know, <laughs> yes, it's obviously very, very hard because, you know, if, if you look at groups A and B, you have to beat one of Damwon, FPX, EDG, and SKT, or T1, if you're seen on our 100 Thieves on the tl side like i kind of said it like group d feels like the biggest group of life and we are
0: fucking overdosing on copium right now just so people the listeners we know that doesn't necessarily mean that we're wrong though like there's always a chance right and that's the copium take but there is always a chance like we've seen uh north american teams get out of really really tough situations in the past this year is no different. It's it's that you have a small chance, but a chance nonetheless.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm just reading the chat. Um, give a quick uh, rundown. Most likely, least likely, NA team to make it out of out of their
0: group. Uh, so I I think it's the same as I would have said last time. So I think TL still has the best chance. I don't think 100 Thieves is that far behind, by the way, uh, as far as chances of getting out. Um, and then Cloud Nine, the worst chance because, well uh the the only reason the the um the hopium take that i had last time was that maybe the month and a half that cloud nine has had to get better and fix some of their issues that could help them but we saw them make a lot of the same mistakes as i've mentioned and so i have not a lot of faith um if i were to guess i would say cloud nine is probably going to pick up one win and that might be generous Mm. um so yeah
1: i i would actually say that i think c9 has it the only reason And I just want to make this clear.
0: The (laughs) only
1: reason I say that C9 has a better chance than 100 Thieves is because we've we've seen that C9 can beat Damwon. For example, if we put any other top team that's not Damwon in this group, I would say that 100 Thieves probably has a better chance of getting out. Only because we've seen C9 beat Damwon is the only reason that I say that they have- Can I
0: play Devil's Advocate though? I'm going to play Devil's Advocate and try to poke holes in your theory here. Sure. We haven't seen 100 thieves with the opportunity to play one or. Hey, BG, l- l- dude,
1: I, I'm just saying, like, that's my only, like, that's no, my I, I only point to my argument. Like, yeah, there's I, no, I like there's it. no other opinion that I have of it other than we saw them go two and two against Damwon, should have gone three and one if Sven doesn't get one shot by GP. By the way, I'm just gonna point that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I do think like it's really, really difficult. I think Team Liquid has. Like a way higher chance than the other two combined. Like for example, like it, like if Team Liquid has like a four out of ten chance to get out, C nine and out of
0: ten, I don't know, like forty percent. <laughs>
1: well, I, I'm just, it's just an arbitrary number, man. Shut up.
0: Okay, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. Like
1: and then C nine has like one point one, and hundred these has one. Like like that's that's what my thing is. Like it's only okay. like the, it's only the slightest of edges because we've seen them beat damn one.
0: Okay. Uh, we want to give any 40, Well, I was gonna 40% say 40% might be a little general. Well, it's
1: not, it's just an arbitrary number, it's not 40%. Yes, yes, yes.
0: I, I, I understand, I understand.
1: Okay, um, do we want to okay. give like official who we thinks can get out of groups?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go through it really quick. Is that cool? Can I just do group A, B, C, D and just go through it, yeah, or do sure. you want to go group by group? Okay, so group A, I'm going damn one FPX. I should say, let's do it in order of who I think is one, two. I'll go okay. FPX, then damn one. Okay, uh, group B. I will go EDG T1. That's not really fun, but... it, it can, I, can I be biased and just go 100T for the mems?
1: Sure, I mean...
0: Okay, I'm going EDG 100 Thieves then. Okay. Copium. Cracked out on Copium. Group C, I'm going RNG and Fnatic. Okay. And then Group D, I am going Mad Lions. Hmm... Oh, boy. If I do 100 Thieves for Demems, I got to do TL for Demems.
1: Wow, wow, wee, wad wow. Two NA.
0: Mad Lions and Team Liquid. All aboard the Copium Train, the Hopium Train. Both of them are leaving the station. Get your tickets now. All right, JNT, go for it. Who you got?
1: Well, I, use, I already used up all my Copium and Hopium, so I unfortunately cannot pick any NA teams. But, uh, okay. Group A. I'll go FPX1, one, damn one two, group B, T1, number one, EDG number two, group C, RNG one, Homolife Life Two. No copium there. Homo life is better than Fnatic. Wait, PSG wait, wait, well, Hold
0: on. Did I, I, I miss it? Did you say T1 in yeah. number one in group B? Yes, I did. And then EDG? Okay, yep.
1: okay. Uh group okay, C ahead. RNG one Homolife Life 2. Group D LNG one Mad Lions 2.
0: So LNG one? Okay, I, um, I, I I don't think that that's that like hot of a take. Like I think that that is a respectable take because I think LNG did look really good in playing. So I don't think it's I don't think you could sleep on them. And then you've got Hanwa Life getting out of that group. Yeah,
1: the main thing, the, the, the main reason why I kind of favor Hama, oh It's hard to say because I think them and Fnatic is really close. I think it's really close. But one of the main reasons why I think you know I have a little more faith that Humla Life will edge it out is because the areas where Huma Life has struggled is also the areas where you could say Fnatic is, I wouldn't say at its weakest, but at its most inexperienced. Like, you have Adam in top lane for Fnatic, and you also have Bwipo jungle. And I think Bwipo has been doing a great job in the jungle, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's not going to, there, there's no reason to believe that he's going to play horribly at Worlds. But I do think that, like, if Hanma's going to win games and just, like, avoid the potential problem areas, it kind of is, it's a bit of a favorable matchup against Fnatic. And like that's kind of my only reason. Like, for example, like if, if Fnatic was like I don't know, like if it was like the opposite, where like Fnatic's top side was like absolutely ginormous huge, like their bot lane is right now with um upset Hillisang, I would probably give the edge to Fnatic, but it's kind of like where Hama Life is weak, Fnatic is also weak, sort of.
0: Okay. And I think I would rather uh, take
1: Chovy deft Vista over niski upset Hillisang.
0: Okay. Um but slightly because I think
1: upset and hillsang are gonna be really good. I think I kind of said this last episode, they're kind of like on the same track that Reckless and Hillsang were at 2020 Worlds, like to be one of the best spot lanes at the tournament.
0: Okay, and do we want to do crystal ball pick? Yeah, as they're um, calling
1: it. Yeah, they just added this. I think we already talked about it before, but they added this new explain thing. Explain it called, anyways, explain yeah, it. Yeah, they, they right added this new thing to pick'em's, which is called the crystal ball pick, where you just pick the tournament winner from the get-go and they did this. Before the playing stage. And the off chance that you're going to actually pick a playing team. Because I guess they support that Fiesta for that part. But not the pick'ems. Um, I picked FPX. But I didn't know that you couldn't change your pick once you made it. So I actually wanted to go Damwon. But I was just like scrolling through. Just clicked FPX. And I'm like do you want to p- pick FPX? I was like yeah sure. But then I like went to go scroll down to pick Damwon. And it was just grayed out. And I was like clicking it and clicking it. And nothing happened. And I couldn't change my pick. I picked FPX but I wanted to go Damwon.
0: So here's the thing, though. Like, first of all, that's funny as hell, because I did the same thing. I locked it in. I'm like, oh, shit, I guess it's locked in. Because normally they let you change that kind of stuff. But I I think that for me personally, I think FPX has a a better chance of winning than Damn One does. I really do. Um, Some of the things that I've heard lately that I'm a little bit nervous about is Khan talking about how, like, he thinks this is his last season. And that, like, that stuff that you say after the year, it seems like he's... He's kind of done with it. I, I don't know. This is maybe I'm getting, I'm reading a little bit too far into some of the things that he's been saying, but he, he seems like he's done with League and like he just wants it to be over. And that's not a good sign out of a guy before a tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, uh, I can't blame him for being that way. He's played forever, right? Yeah. Like, Well, he has to do,
1: like, he's doing his military service next year. So it's like, right. it's the last, it's his last chance yeah. anyway. So,
0: Yeah. Um. So that makes well me a little bit it. nervous. That makes me a little bit nervous, but I still expect good things out of Damwon, but I would just say that I think FPX is more likely to win than Damwon, in my opinion. But for me, I went with RNG, which I I don't know. Maybe that's surprising to a lot of people. Maybe it's not. I'm not re- willing to write this team off. I think that they're still really, really good. Um, I can't forget that they're MSI champions. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I really like RNG. I think that they're good, and I think they're very likely to move on. Um, so yeah, but I mean, realistically, I, I think the the teams that we won't be surprised if they win are Damwon, FPX, EDG, and probably RNG. Am I missing any? T one. T one. No, I'd still be surprised if T one on T one won. Honestly.
1: Faker at Worlds. I know it's surprised. Faker at
0: Worlds. It is. It is Faker at Worlds. I mean, but I, I don't know. I guess I. I I don't think T one is as good as they once were, despite being a still a very good team. It's true. Uh I, I don't think that they're what they used to be. Um, but
1: He's just got the Michael Jordan effect, dude. Like
0: There's no there's no free wins when you're playing against T one. I'll say that. You can't you can't discount that they definitely could go on a run. Absolutely they can. I just don't think it's likely. Uh the the one other thing that I wanted to talk about, because you brought this up last night, and I was going to bring it up on today's show was there was a lot of talk from us, bef- well, a lot of people, um, not just us, before the tournament that BYG and PSG should probably be somewhere even because in the 10 games that they played at the end of their regular season, they went 5-5, five and five, right? BYG beat PSG in the winner's bracket finals, but then in the grand finals, PSG came back and won 3-2, so they won um, in that series. And so a lot of people, myself included, said it's likely that these teams are probably on par. Now, BYG did not look very good uh, in, in play-ins in comparison to what we thought they would look like. And so it brings up the question of, is maybe PSG not as good as we thought they were? And again, this is all like, there's very little to go off of when it comes to this, right? Because what we saw PSG play at MSI, and I haven't seen them play a game since. So there's very limited information to go off of. Has your opinion possibly changed on PSG uh, JNT?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I for one wasn't kind of on board the BYG train in terms of placing them close to PSG. I mean, I think I had I had them way down on my list in terms of like our tier list that we did. I think I had PSG and yep. A, and I had BYG and D. And after <laughs> after the playing stage, they'd be dropping down to an F. But kind of like we said at the start. Oh, of, kind of like we said at the start of the show. Like all of our opinions and thoughts on BYG are just like tainted now because of what yes. happened. So right. I think. Should had this news not broken out, I would probably say my opinion of Py or PSG has dropped. Yes, but I can't really say that now. Like I have no, there's no argument to make to say why they their, our opinion of them should drop based off of all the you know drama out of the BYG camp.
0: Yeah, and for me, I feel much more comfortable going off of the idea that they looked really good at MSI on a regular basis. More than I could say, well, BYG and PSG played about even, so therefore they're even And Like I feel more confident that PSG is still a good team. Of course, we'll find out. Um, but I feel more confident in looking at actual gameplay that I've watched and at MSI, I thought they were great. Um, so yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think you can take anything away from PSG just because BYG looked bad. Um although I will admit that it does expose my very, very uh I don't know noob way of of analyzing the team but i mean i I did admit in the last episode that we didn't have any real information to go off of i don't watch pcs i can't watch every league right but uh just thought i would bring it up because i thought you brought up the question last night and i was like well yeah it's good it's something to wonder right
1: Mm -hmm. um well quickly before we move on i just wanted to point Mm -hmm. out a couple matches Uh, you know first day group stage is monday 6 a.m so bright and early but there's two, I think, very key matches on the first. Six a.m. What time? My time say you time? Well, I guess it's seven a.m. EST, four a.m. PST. If we're gonna be okay, all like yeah. that, but the first game is D is Damwon versus FPX. So could be the potential battle for first place in that group. Um, I think for the most part, all the other games aren't that exciting, except for the NA boys who have TL versus Mad Lions. That could be, you know, a potential important game. That's going to be of, fun. Yeah, like, well, that, well, that should be a very important game if TL want a chance to get out. Because I think for TL to get out, you know, I think they have the potential to be better than Mad Lions and better than Gen G. I think, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm kind of high on LNG because I think all their players are really good uh, after watching them play. Obviously, they're against bad teams and it's easy to look good against the bad players and the bad teams. But I like what I've seen from LNG so far. And also, the last game of the day, C9 versus Rogue. That could be the potential that could be the potential 06 team in that group because I think it's totally capable if you know both of these teams go 0-4 against FPX and Demwon and it'll be C9 and Rogue battling for that 06 spot maybe.
0: We've got the we've got NA versus EU to start. This is the opportunity. You've got to cheese early. You got to you got to bring out the cheese drafts as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. before okay. everyone knows what your strats are it's time to pounce uh,
1: and then just let people know 100 these playing edg so they're gonna get uh, smacked probably
0: maybe probably but maybe not maybe not anyways that should be fun honestly look the, the one good thing, and I'll say good in quotation marks, is that there's no expectation as a North American fan. You know, like, yeah. if they win, it's bonus, you know? If they lose, it's back to the drawing board where we just get shit on by EU fans. And...
1: Yeah. Because I, well, I think for this, what year's, can you do? this year specifically, I feel like the expectations are at their lowest, which I think bodes well for NA. Because normally the NA number one seed is like, oh my god, NA number one seed? Like, you had... like <laughs> you. But it's like, dude, like they have EDG and SKT or T1 in their group, like, uh, sure, like C9 have Damwon and FPX in the group, like uh, you're not making it out of that, like you're most likely not. Every going to.
0: year the expectations are at the lowest though, like it just gets lower and lower and lower every year the expectations because it feels like North America winning Worlds the chances get lower and lower and lower every year. Like yeah. Worlds is hard, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's freaking best. hard.
1: It's sad to say that our greatest days could be behind us.
0: Maybe maybe probably who knows all right uh what else what else are we doing we still well, got a lot of quick news to get through later
1: yeah well that's quick news so uh there's a couple things last thing about worlds uh the world song came out pretty much like a couple days after we did our last episode
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i thought the video was really really good um i just thought the song was very vanilla well,
0: i like the song i i don't know the thing is i'm never too crazy about the song anyways so like take my opinion with a grain of salt on it Uh, i whatever i I like the video i like the song i don't really care that much to be honest and you know what else i wondered too is i wondered if the interest in the world song has fallen off a bunch because i was just looking and this is this is a little little thing but i was just looking at the the total views on the video on youtube and it's got like 10 million views that you look at the world's videos in the past Phoenix has like a hundred million views and rise has like a hundred and something million and like views on YouTube. Maybe there's nothing really to look at with that. Like whatever it's views, but like it's not, I don't think people care about it nearly as much as they used to. Maybe I'm crazy. Are you looking that up right now?
1: Yeah. So yeah. Burn it down. Burn it all down has 10 million. Takeover has 51 million.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Rise has. Takeover was last year, right? Yeah, That's season 10. Sorry. Phoenix has 108 million and rise has 282 million we're gonna exclude rise because i think that was kind of like a special case scenario where the video was just like absolutely bonkers and just made the song because if i'm gonna be honest here the rise song is not very good the video is just that good mm. i think the, the 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 video makes the song Like trust like dude go listen to the song without the video it's not that good
0: i mean i don't really care mm. i don't like I said, I'm, I'm not all that hyped about the world song, but I just wondered how other people felt about it. No, but I
1: just think we're in the same boat this year where the video makes the song. Like, I think, like, you, like the song, like, if you listen to the song by itself, like, it's just a bunch of meh, but, like, the video is so sick. Like, the Chovy versus Showmaker, like, 1v1, like, that shit's epic. How many views
0: does Legends Never Die have? Uh, Never, that's Legends Never Die.
1: Almost 2 million. Sorry, almost 200 million. Yeah, so, million. like,
0: there's definitely a drop off. Like we're at 10 million now. Yeah, but I, I mean that, as that'll World goes on. Yeah, it'll...
1: I mean I guess like Takeover, which came out pretty much a year ago, has 50 mil for 51 million views. So probably a year from now, what Burn It All Down will probably hit like 30 something. We might guess.
0: Mm. Yeah. Anyways, any other thoughts on it? I don't really got any. Oh yeah, no no no, I do have thoughts on it. There was the the TL guy that was all pissed off that Blapper was in it. <laughs> That was uh, something.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people were a little bit confused when, like, Reckless was in the video and everything. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, I think somebody came out and said, like, they started designing, like, the story and the characters and what the video was going to be, like, back in February. And, you know, you kind of work yeah. like when you when you have a super like high production animation like that, like you got to start working on it way back in time. And yeah, I think, takes, you know, time. at the start of 2021, I think it was a pretty safe assumption that G2 was going to make worlds. So like, yeah. if, if like, come on, like, let's be honest here, everybody. If we go back to February 2021 and we say that G2 was not going to make worlds, I think everybody would have called you crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, that like. Like, I don't really care who they put it in. I get it takes a long time to do this shit. I don't get upset at who they have in. Yeah, I don't care. But I will say I was I will say I was surprised that it was blabber and not perks. Like if you're gonna go with a Cloud Nine guy, Wouldn't you go with Perks? Yeah. That that was a little bit like, huh, okay. I
1: I did like the video, you know, I guess just to Close that reckless point out. Like Jackie Love was also in the video a ton, and that guy's not in Worlds either. And again, I think you could. It would have been a safe assumption to say that Top Esports was going to make Worlds again this year, back in February of twenty twenty
0: one. Was Chovy in it? I think Chovy was right. Yeah,
1: Chovy was like the main character with Showmaker, dude.
0: Oh, I don't remember, man. I watched it one time. It, when did it come out? Like a week ago or something? Yeah. I don't remember
1: but i thought it was really cool had they they had like a bunch of those like little mini battles kind of in the middle of it where uh, they had like the shy and ben doing like fiora 1v1 and they had the blabber power of evil thing they also had a brtt versus some other cbll guy in there and one other one which it it was like an eu one it was reckless versus somebody else thought it was cool the video was super super nice loved the animation Okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Let's move on. We'll get into our quick news. We'll try to get through it pretty quickly. Uh there's not I mean there's a lot of it, but a lot of it's not too lengthy. The one lengthy thing, the 2022 preseason video came out 2 days ago um to give give people the quick rundown. They're making some new items, some new mythics, some new legendaries, they're adding two more elemental drakes that are absolutely broken. Oh god, please help us.
0: You don't know that yet. They could still balance things out, no?
1: Just like they balanced Dragon Souls and Elder Dragon. Look, I'm not, yeah.
0: I'm not saying that they have a great history, but I'm saying is that we don't know what's out yet. Uh, That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. And Vex is pretty balanced as well, huh? Okay. Well, safe to No, to but say... this, the thing
0: is... So, here's the thing, though. So... Look, they are slow to balance things, right? But sometimes, well, a lot of times, they do eventually get around to balancing it. I would just say that people are usually upset with how long it takes to balance something. Like Aphelios, for example. Yeah, Or or Viego, for example. Eventually, these champions will get balanced. It just takes so freaking long for them to do it. So it's not the idea... The idea that they're coming out with a new dragon isn't the problem. It's that it's probably going to be overtuned, and it will probably be overtuned for too long. That's my thing.
1: I don't want to jump too far down the rabbit hole in this thing, but I think Cajdral said said something on his stream that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, But Mm -hmm. to give some quick context, in the league video, in in the preseason rundown video, they basically said like Riot went with the opinion that they don't think that their champions are balanced. Sorry, they think that their champions are balanced when they release them, which one is completely wrong because like Gwen, Diego, Vex, Aphelios, Senna, set all these champions are absolutely retardedly broken on release and they're, they're yeah, not balanced it at all all the time and it does all the time it as you say take a long time for them to actually get into a balanced state it literally took set a whole year and senna a whole year to get balanced when the champion came out um and we even see that right now with vex like vex is a new champion that like, got released like what a week and a half two weeks ago like it's a new champion sitting at like a 52 and a half percent win rate if the champ is broken like uh, dude and so to quickly yeah. jump on this Cadrill thing, Cadrill said um on his stream that he was watching a rider stream and he said if they released Karthus today, everyone would complain that that champion is super super broken because it has a global ulti that hits all five people whatever whatever. I actually disagree with that because I think it, it's not these like huge impact abilities that what that's what makes champions like really OP. It's all the movement and dashes and invisibility yeah. I think is the problem like I think when Senna was getting released, everybody was like, oh my fucking god, this ulti that goes across the map damages people and shields people, and this Q that, like, damages people and heals people? It's like, no, dude, the most broken part about Senna is her E and her increasing range on her passive, and the most broken parts of when Akali was reworked is not all of her damage, it was her invisibility on her shroud, and the stuff that was, like, broken about Gwen was her W and just the way that, like, that whole thing works, and, like... Well, I do think that, like, if you take a look at old champions, they're like, oh, if they would be released today, like, everyone would just say they're broken because, you know, the kits whatnot. It's like, dude, like, it's all the movement, invisibility, the dashes. Like, when Samira came out, she could dash to allies. Her W was, like, a 1.5 second duration. I think now it's, like, a 0.5 or 0.75 duration. Like, Like, so many champion kits are overloaded. That's another thing that they tried to, like, claim in their video, that, like, we don't think that champion kits are overloaded. Like, are you joking me? Like... You remember when yeah. Camille got released? Like, how many things have they removed from, like, Camille's kit with, like, the attack speed steroid on her thing? How many times she was nerfed? How many times her E and her W were nerfed? Her Q is still, like, it's a fucking Cho'Gath ulti on a three-second cooldown. Like, uh, yeah, no,
0: I, You're right, honestly. You're honestly right. And I think the frustration that people have with the balance of the game is not... Uh, Again, it goes back to the idea that it, it's not so much that the kits are always. Sometimes it's the kits are just broken, but sometimes it's also that it takes so long to fix some of the things that come out. And so when they say they come out with these new champions and say they're not going to be broken, how many times do we have to see a champion be absolutely busted, time and time again, and still be fed the same the same idea that like we don't think champions kits are broken? It's like well, no, they kind of are. And it was
1: hilarious because they said. Except for Dr. Mundo, like, oh, that was the champion that was broken when we were like, <laughs> yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Like, Dr. Yeah. Mundo, I could give a, I could, it couldn't care and, less about Dr. Mundo.
0: Yeah, I don't envy the idea, like, it's very difficult to balance a game of this scale, so I don't envy that. I realize that it's difficult, but I do think the the solid majority of people will say that, like, it would be nice if they have a hit every once in a while. It feels like time and time again, every champion that's released is too busted and every change that they come out with is too busted and it feels like they miss time and time again again that doesn't mean that their job is easy but it would be nice to see them get one right every once in a while it seems like they're wrong so much more than they're right and i think that's one of the other issues with all the changes that they come out with or that even when they are wrong they refuse to admit like that they're wrong and then it takes two years for the changes to, to come into effect
1: yeah, and, and even with, like, let's stop talking about new champions, like, even old reworked champions, like, there are very few reworked champions that I think you could consider are balanced, and were, like, when reworked, were balanced. Like, I- Irelia, Akali, Gallia was, like, completely busted for a year and a half. Like, they've also Pantheon. whiffed on, yeah, Pantheon, it was perma. perma It was pickman at Worlds in 2019 reworking it, the Juggernaut rework in Season 5, like, Jesus Christ. Like, there are very few champion reworks that have really hit the mark. I think the best examples that you can consider are, like, Warwick and Scion or like, probably the two best champion reworks that they did that have, like, were never, like, insanely broken, but were also, like, never absolutely terrible. Like, god, I think the Kale rework they did was, like, absolutely stupid. I hate those kind of champion play styles where it's just, like, you reach a certain point to the game and the champion will just 1v9. Like, Kale's just, like, a worse version of Cassidy in my opinion. Less counterplay and, like god yeah 200 years Anyways, jesus so
0: much for quick so much for quick news
1: oh uh, yeah i don't <laughs> care dude right game 60 <laughs> yeah all right actual quick news now um one thing that happened quite a long time ago but i thought would be pretty relevant to bring it up now ebay 99 you know the homie tweeted about the lcs saying that the lcs is the mls and for people who don't know what the mls is the mls is the north american version of their soccer league and if you don't know basically how that works, it basically works the exact same as NA. They suck against the international teams and they sign all the aging star players. And I was like, right. damn, pretty spot on with that take.
0: There's a lot of parallels. Do you want to read out his tweet?
1: Uh, oh, sh- okay, hold on. Can okay, you start talking and I'm going to read out the tweet?
0: Well, I, could, I have it here. Okay, read it out. Then. Uh, he said, NA feels like the MLS right now. There's not enough local talent to feel like you're supporting your region by rooting for teams. There's not enough quality talent to feel like you're rooting for teams who have a shot at being best in the world. Give us a reason to root for teams. And so you said spot on. I I think he's a little bit off because I still, the, the, the part where I think he's a little bit off is um, uh, there's not enough local talent to feel like you're supporting your region by rooting for teams. For me, I still have no issue with rooting for North American teams. So that's where I disagree. But the idea that he's trying to get at in which I do agree with is that it would be nice to see more North American talent. That's the part that I'm just, I think he's a little bit off in my opinion, but the idea that he's got is right there and there's a lot of parallels to the MLS. Um, So I think that his tweet is, is really um, maybe not spot on, but pretty damn close, I would say. And he brings up some good points.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The main thing that I think with gb 99 is he he is, he is a bit of a homer in terms of NA talent. And I definitely agree with you that me personally, even though I'm like exclusively a cloud nine fan, not necessarily like an NA fan per se, like you treat these players like impact and, and Sven Skarin and Sven and Bjergsen, like while they're EU players, like, or like LCK players or JJ, like they feel like NA players now, like they've right. been here for enough time. They're pretty vocal overall in the community. Like, they're marquee players on marquee teams. And they do feel like they're NA players. How Like, Sven, dude, like, he feels like an NA player now. Like, yeah, Fudge. He's been like, here forever. Like, I feel like Fudge, like, already starting to feel like an NA player. Because, like, that's where he's primarily made his mark. Yes, he was on Mammoth. They went to Worlds in 2019. But, like, he's been on C9 for two years now. Played in Academy. Now is, like, you know, the best player on C9 probably. Like, I don't know. I feel like next year we'll be talking about how, like, Fudge is, like, kind of an NA player at this point.
0: Right, so you when you're cheering for Cloud Nine, do you feel at all like, man, I'm not cheering for an NA team? No, like it's probably not. Like, right.
1: Like in my so opinion, that's I think
0: it's a little bit off. In right? my you're opinion, still, the you're only still player, for your region.
1: yeah, like in my opinion, the only C9 player that's not like who I would really call North American is Perks. It's just because he got here like you know a la last year at the beginning of the year, and he's like a long time EU player. Like he's been playing in EU right. since in Challenger Series in season five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, it is a good point, though. There's a lot of parallels there with the MLS, and so I thought it was a really interesting tweet, and I, I thought it was mm-hmm. good for just a little mini, miniature discussion there. Yeah. What else we got? We got some free agent NA stuff.
1: Uh, Dardok is a free agent. Uh, interesting, though. He's only looking to be a player, not as a coach. He most recently joined Immortals after getting kicked from Dignitas as a positional coach. Um, right. And, no, uh, assistant it's... coach, sorry.
0: Um, yeah, and it sounds like he's looking to go to Europe. Though it looks like he wants yeah. to play in the LEC or in the ERL, which is the European Regional League, yeah. like so like LFL, like the French team, or anything, any of those leagues. I think that's most likely where he would go first. Probably, um, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But uh, I mean, maybe maybe he comes back to LCS. But I mean, he's had how many chances on an LCS team? Uh, a lot. So, i mean it, it, it. if
1: you were him like he probably at this point would rather go to eu and get maybe a fresh start potentially yeah yeah i think so too god that'd be what so next? weird if like there was an import from eu uh, and it was dardoch
0: <laughs> oh yeah oh that god. would be and wouldn't it be funny if he ended up getting to worlds eventually and you dardoch plays against i don't know tsm for example that 60. would be great because you know tsm let go of them and no one wants to sign dardoch if anyone remembers that meme so that that would be a great story but anyways carry on
1: uh tsm academy they released cody sun hauntzer and sword um i think i think uh cody sun and hauntzer those guys are coming to a close i think but sword (sighs) i think is decent i mean that guy's been on tsm academy for what like two years now ever since the blaze olive left um, I, think I didn't good watch
0: much Academy this year, but I did feel like after watching Cody, Sun, and Haunter in the past years, I did not feel like they deserved to be in Academy. I thought definitely they could have played in the LCS this year, and I thought they should have. Uh, but I mean, they didn't. Who knows? I, for anyone who watched Academy, you'll probably have a better opinion than I than I do on them. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe they come back. Maybe they don't. Uh,
1: next up, Ole is looking for a team.
0: Olay um i'm gonna be blunt here so okay let me start off by saying i love Olay. i think he's hilarious that guy's wacky uh his tweets are always random and hilarious um but if i'm being completely honest i would not want him on my team um because well did he not bench himself at msi that one time yeah
1: he did but i was in season and eight look, i mean it was
0: so so hold on let me hear this let me let me say this out there is nothing wrong with saying, look, I'm having, I'm struggling right now. I, I can't handle this. You always should take into account your mental health first. However, if you're an LCS org, that's a big risk that you're taking to take a player that might not be able to handle pressure, right? And if you, if a team does not want a player that can't handle pressure, eventually pressure will come, right? Like, so it, it's, it feels ruthless, Uh but I think you have to be ruthless if you're if you're picking out your team. You can't take a player that uh, has a history of uh, not being able to perform or play in really important games, right? And it's it's sad that that's how it works, but I think that's how it works. Would you not agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. He went to Golden Guardians after, right, and was playing with FBI in season nine, and then they preferred yeah. to like play Keith
0: support than oh, Ole.
1: So yeah. that. I think can tell you a little bit something about the likelihood of him joining a starting team.
0: I'm definitely still cheering for Ole to make it back to LCS or whatever, whatever league he can join. I'm just saying that as a GM, I'm a little bit worried if he's my only support that can play at a high level, because what if some of those issues come back again, which is, uh, it feels bad, but that's just the way business works, right? You need to be able to have players that can play and perform when it matters. That's just, That's business, unfortunately.
1: Uh, Next up, the LCS Players Association announced that they put out their newest edition of the Contract Database, which also includes um, LCS players who've opted to share their contract information.
0: Yeah, so they didn't—the tweet didn't seem all that clear to me to who will have access to the Contract Database. I would guess that it's just the players, and the idea behind this is that if players know what other players' contracts look like, it gives you a better chance to be able to negotiate your own contract. So, like, let's say me and and T are LCS players, and we have the same skill level, but he's making four times what I am. I get to go into next year's uh, discussions saying, look, I'm about as good, or I have the same amount of accomplishments as he does i should be able to be paid somewhere in the ballpark of what he makes it just gives that little bit of an edge to players because all the contracts being kept a secret is just a huge advantage to the owners and i just don't think it's fair to the players so um, i don't know who's going to have access to this database but it sounds like the players association is doing something which if people have heard anything about the players association in the past they don't have a history of having a large impact on the league, to be honest. So it's nice to see that they're doing stuff and actually trying to to help out the players.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, this one was kind of weird, but we figured we'd mention it. Uh, Tarzan, the NA yeah. streamer, not Tarzan, the LNG jungler, joining Cloud Nine as a Wild Rift pro
0: player. This, if this came out on April 1st, I wouldn't believe it. This sounds like some April Fool's shit. Yeah. Tarzan is a Wild Rift pro all of a sudden, and he's on Cloud 9. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Honestly, as someone that's never been interested in Wild Rift, I'm thinking, good. See ya. Like, I don't have any problems with Wild Rift, but I think Tarzan is absolute cancer for League of Legends. I think anyone that's ever played a game with him will tell you. That guy sucks. He's a really good player, but he sucks for the community. I hate toxicity, and he is one of the most toxic players ever. So, see ya. I don't want him back in League of Legends anymore. Take care, comb your hair. I'm done with him. Goodbye.
1: All right. And uh, last thing we got for NA stuff was uh, Niles, former GG top laner, had a pretty interesting tweet. About uh, free agency that I don't think was going to help his career moving you got forward. The tweet? Uh, oh God!
0: I can find it. Uh, Let's see if I can
1: find it quickly. Um, yeah, he deleted it.
0: It's in. Oh, I, I found it. It, here. Here. Uh, it says,
1: okay, go. "We're going into the off season soon. For anyone that is aspiring to join a professional team for the first time, remember that it's not your spot until you sign." Su- remember that it's not your spot until you sign the dotted line even if a team promises you a spot they can always rescind i know from firsthand experience smile
0: not a good move jnt why is that not a good move
1: uh because when you play like dog shit you're gonna get benched and then if you passive aggressively tweet out about your org benching you and the funny thing about niles is like, dude, like, let's be honest here. This guy played like fucking dog shit in the first half of spring split. Like he did. Or in, in the did. in spring split. And was desert like was rightfully benched. But he continued yep. to maintain the opinion on Twitter and on stream that like he wasn't a bad player and that like everybody was like overblowing like the number of times that he would die in game and how he had he averaged like nine deaths a game at towards the start of the year. Like dude, like At a certain point, like, you got to, like, humble yourself and, like, really, like, take a step back and see how bad you're playing. Because he's, like, this is, like, I feel like the third or fourth time, like, he's, like, done some, like, passive-aggressive shit to, like, try to flame Golden Guardians or, like, push back at the community that say, like, oh, you guys are wrong about this. It's like, dude, like, you're bad. Like, sorry. Just accept it. That doesn't
0: help your case. It doesn't help you get signed to a team if you're going to call out your org like that. Which, by the way, your org has every right to bench you if you're playing bad. Like of, course, like, of course it's not guaranteed your spot. When has any spot ever been guaranteed to anyone? Yeah, anyone? Like Sven got benched. Sneaky, Sneaky got benched. Yeah. Jensen got Like, no one. That's just how it works. And, like, I feel bad for him because I don't believe he should have been put on an LCS team in the first place. I think it was way too quick to promote him. However, Golden Guardians, we know that they didn't have a lot of cash flow. And so they were really on a budget. And so options were very limited. And therefore, he gets put into the LCS. So I do feel bad for Niles because I don't think that it's right to put a player in that kind of position when he's clearly not ready yet. But I mean, we didn't know that at the time, um, but we definitely do now. However, calling out your org like that is just a bad idea. And I, I feel bad for the guy because he's just a young kid. He's just doing stuff that he probably doesn't realize is going to have a, a, a big effect on his uh, future contract negotiations. Like, no one wants to sign a player that's just going to call them out every time they make... Uh, I don't even think it's called a mistake. Like, no spot is ever guaranteed. No- none. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's 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 a little bit of immaturity, which, again, we talked about the BYG thing earlier and how players, like, they don't realize what kind of thing they're doing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of immaturity with League of Legends and, and esports in general. The, the other thing, too, is um, I think... I think I saw this. So for those that don't know, JT and I, we met at college. We were part of an esports team. I had never seen this until joining an esports team. You and I, I I'm guessing you grew up playing sports, JT, right? Yeah. Didn't you play basketball or something like that? So I grew up playing sports as well. I had never like it never crossed my mind that any spot was ever given to me. Like yeah. playing competitive sports as you grow up, I just thought it was so obvious that no matter what, you could be replaced. Cause you saw it happen all the time. You get benched if you're not playing well. If you're playing well, you're gonna get more. In in hockey, ice time or whatever it is, right? Playing time. Um, so to me, there's no surprise by that. But when we went to college and we were part of the esports team, it was so surprising to me to see how many players think that they're entitled to a spot. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. And it's very apparent in esports. And I wonder... If it's because people that play eSports maybe didn't play sports growing up and never had that kind of environment, I don't know. I do wonder it though. I've never seen it until I was part of an eSports team, never seen that in my life.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely got that feeling like, wow, like there's a bunch of people like who are just a bunch of like nobodies, whether it's like people that we know at school who are trying to make an eSports team or just like a bunch of randoms like in the mid- to lower tier eSports teams that just are like egotistical for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Like, dude, like, exactly. You don't deserve shit. Like, you got to play well, and you, you got to earn your spot, like, regardless of what's going on.
0: Yeah. Like, really, really strange stuff. And, again, he's immature. I'm not going to hold it against him. He's just a young kid still. He'll probably realize a couple years down the road, like, why the hell did I tweet that out? People yeah. make mistakes. We move on, right? Yeah. Um. Okay, move
1: on to some EU stuff quickly. Uh, Natakilla sang. Uh, he signed a two-year contract extension with Fnatic. Um, so I was saying sticking around, I think he, let's, oh, what's, what's the right word? He's definitely the most impactful support in the world, maybe for the better or for the worse. I think that could be a fair statement. Yeah. But the thing is, lately it's been for the better. Like
0: in the past, I would have said it's better and worse. And while that's still true to some extent, it's been a lot more better than worse in the, in the last year. So especially going back to last year's worlds, he was insane. They they were probably the best bot lane, the Fnatic bot lane last year. He's been great, and so uh, yeah, I think it's a really good contract extension. I think you should be really happy for if you're a Fnatic fan.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up, there's some more G2 rumors that have come out since our last episode. If people remember, the last G2 rumors were that Grabs, uh, Mickey X, and Wonder were not going to be part of the G2 roster. Uh, the newest one is apparently Reckless as well. Is uh. Not going to be with G two next year, and I mean, like I said, the kind of, the rumor right now is that the Yankos and Caps didn't really want to play with him, uh, and we kind of saw that from the actual news, or sorry, not the actual news, but the other rumors that came out uh, last week about Caps, or no, it wasn't a rumor. Caps did sign a one year contract extension, so it, it kind of felt like you know, G two chose Caps to stick with him despite you know his poor performances in twenty twenty one, and I mean. That's understandable. Like, let, like, let's not be honest here. Like, he's the second best EU player of all time behind Perks. So, it's not too big of a surprise to see G2 stick with him after mm-hmm. his, you know, just historic, you know, just his history in the LEC and the EU LCS. And, you know, it is hard to not, it's hard to put a ton of value onto one bad year when you've had so many good ones. But, you know, let's just hope that they didn't make the the, the wrong decision if he plays back yeah. again next year.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that the only player that they knew that they wanted to keep was Caps. I'm pretty sure that, I, I think that's what the rumor is. I don't know if that's guaranteed, so don't take that as a direct quote or anything like that. And I think Yankos was probably on the bubble. I feel like they were probably weighing their options because Yankos definitely didn't have as great of a year as he has had in the past. Um, but nonetheless, Yankos is still going to be one of the better junglers in the league, and so I think once you decide, like, okay, we're going to go with Caps and Jankos, you're going to start by asking them, like, look, who did you like playing with? Who did you not like playing with? And who is out there that you want to go after? And Judging by the the, the idea that uh, Reckless doesn't want to be there, and the rumors come out that they don't want to play with them, it's no surprise. And so it's pretty much, in my opinion, it's probably Carlos and a couple of coaches, um, as well as Yankos and Caps, that are building the rest of the roster. It's usually probably. how that would
1: go. Yeah, and I mean, like players like Yankos and Caps definitely should have that respect to be involved yes. in those kinds of conversations and be allowed to. Maybe not be allowed to handpick the roster, but you know have some input on the roster because I think they've deserved right.
0: that. Yeah. Well, and like if you're if you're the owner, you want to know who your players want to play with. Like that's mm-hmm. just why would you not want to know that, right? Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah. And there's another thing to follow up about that. Uh, Carlos tweeted out basically talking about, um, you know, kind of from last year how whole perks the fanatic thing and the way the whole the whole reason I bring that up was because. After this whole reckless thing came out, the rumor was that he was going to join Vitality or like that was where, you know, you know, he wanted to go or whatever the team that he wanted to go to. Um, and that it also came out that, you know, Vitality is allowing crown shot to explore his options. But Carlos kind of tweeted out a response to that I just wanted to read it out he Said perks to fanatic is quite possibly the single trade that I would go out of my way to never allow to happen. Like Messi to Real Madrid, people don't know Messi and Ronaldo like the faces of like the Spanish soccer league, Messi on Barcelona, Ronaldo on Real Madrid. If a player we bench wishes, wishes to join any European team, TSM, Galatasaray, or an LPL team, we will gladly trade him. We haven't blocked shit. So, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, I think both of us agreed that it's totally understandable to not send your best player or your most important player in perks to a team like Fnatic, which is your number one rival. And I think, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a smart businessman like Carlos is, like, why would you even want to do that in the first place? And after this whole rumor of Reckless wanting to go, vi- go to Vitality, there was, like, 2.0 about this saying, oh, well, Carlos actually blocked this and it's not allowing it to happen and whatever. And, like, if you're not going to play with Reckless, I mean, like, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, if Vitality is willing to pay, like, send it to Vitality. Like, I would be way more worried about Reckless going to a team like maybe Rogue or, like, Mad Lions or anything like that than you'd be about him going to Vitality, you know?
0: Yeah, I think blocking perks from going to Fnatic is one thing. What I think is a little bit different is that you sent Perks to a whole nother league. And now I don't know how to feel about it because it's just unprecedented. Like you sent him across the fucking ocean. Now maybe Perks wanted to go because he knew he was gonna get paid more money with Cloud Nine than anywhere else. I don't know the specifics behind that. Um, but maybe if Perks wanted to in fact go to another LEC team and wasn't able to, then I think it would be a little bit slimy, but there's nothing that's come out that I know of that's indicated that Perks could have gone to another team and didn't have that opportunity. It sounds like he was just blocked to Fnatic, but yeah, that's that's all that that's all we know. I, actually, we don't even know. That's that's all that the rumors are. Let's yeah. say that.
1: Yeah, it's just dude. EU's a bunch of fucking rumors. Like it rumors on rumors. Like dude. Like you yeah. know. Hopefully, free agency will get some some concrete answers because I do think EU could look pretty spicy next year. Like, like. Imagine a world where, like, Reckless goes to Rogue and, like, Carzy like, leaves Mad Lions, goes to G2 or something, because, like, that's the rumor, and, like, you know, Broken Blades on G2, like, dude, like, LEC could...
0: Yeah, there could be a good little mix-up. There could be a little, yeah, shake-up.
1: Fnatic, like, who knows, like, Fnatic, they might make some changes, they could just run back the same roster, because they've only been there, they've only been together for half a year.
0: Also, like- there was, uh, Grabs tweeted out, like, the history, oh, yeah. their US History for Dummies tweet. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Like, in the- Kind of memeing that like he might be going to NA. I I don't know. Like he. Dude, TSM, too much TSM memeing grabs. in esports. There's too much memeing in esports to ever get a read off of what anything actually means. Like yeah. it's it's good and bad, right? Because it's always funny, but it's always like, man, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to take away from that tweet. But yeah. anyway.
1: All right. Uh. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll bang off these last couple ones. Uh. Your boys sooning. they sold their LPL license. The Weaboo, which is like. Yeah. What is Weeaboo anyway? I I know what that shit is. Like, like, what is, is that it? Like, how you pronounce it? I think it's Weeaboo or Weeboo.
0: I don't know what it is. I thought Pretty it was Weibo. Sure we- no, I think it's I have No, I-, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. isn't it like the I'm Facebook?
1: Of, is- isn't it like the Facebook of China?
0: You tell me, man. I don't got a clue. I'm sure people listening know. I don't fucking know. What I do know is that I liked suiting, and they were my team, and I hope that doesn't mean that the roster goes anywhere because, well. I want them to stick around. Yeah, LNG is
1: uh, the new Sooning at this year's Worlds, man. I'm telling you. Yeah,
0: maybe. Maybe. I'm telling you. Anyways. You heard it here first. Uh, I liked SOFM, so I'll probably just cheer for whatever team he plays for. Anyways, what's next?
1: Uh, MLXG, MLXD, former RNG jungler, is apparently suing RNG for some unpaid salary. Oh! <gasps>
0: I, may, I, I say that kind of joke, but that, that is kind of serious. Like, dude, we're still dealing with that shit. Like, ugh. Especially Any in the more... LPO
1: where they have like a lot of money. Like,
0: like uh, pay your fucking players. I'm, I'm so tired of this. It happens in every region. It happened in North America last year with the, not the academy teams, but help me out here. The um...
1: coaching, the Golden Guardians coaching thing?
0: No, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh Tainted Minds, that thing? Tainted Minds, was that the name of the team?
1: The OS team that was no, like
0: uh Sola, sola Fide, Solo oh, five whatever fi. that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that team. Yeah. Uh anyways, you see it all the time. Pay your fucking players.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, next up. Oh my god, this one's crazy, guys. Canyon, damn one jungler. Got fined for account sharing. Oh my goodness. Like, how much did you wow, get wow, wow. J T Three hundred thousand Korean won?
0: Whoa. <laughs> how much yeah. is that in USD?
1: It's two hundred and fifty dollars. Dude, like, I remember, like, we saw this news, and it's like, like, I, like, I know that, like, Korean won, like, the, the currency, like, it's pretty high in number, like, similar to, like, if you, have like, I don't know, like, I know, like, five thousand Korean won is not a lot of money in USD, but like, three hundred thousand, like, oh man, like, might be like a couple, of, like, maybe a couple grand or something. No, it's two hundred and fifty dollars.
0: We're like three hundred thousand. That sounds like a lot, even though, yeah, I'm sure there's a conversion rate that's pretty crazy there, but that still sounds like a lot of money. And then it's two hundred fifty
1: bucks. Yeah, so. there was this thing where apparently Demon was doing this like celebrity game for some like content they were doing, and uh, they had Canyon play on a just not his account for this like celebrity game that they did. And then like basically they're like, oh, this guy's account sharing. It's like, uh, man, he'll like, be
0: fine. Whatever.
1: Unless you're Next. like account, unless you're account sharing to like smurf or to boost, like I don't fucking care, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, our Next. last thing that we have, it's not League of Legends related, but it's kind of funny. So for people who know that Dota, I wouldn't even call it a competitor to League because League is definitely like by far and away a
0: competitor. I think the International is happening right now at the same time. Yeah, so but they're competing with each other.
1: Basically, we kind of saw how like na canceled the finals in new jersey about like a month before they actually happened out of like cause for concern because of covid well the international they canceled their live event five days before the event
0: not the event though they canceled the live viewers live
1: audio yeah well that's what i mean like uh, but when i say event i mean like the event where you go to the whatever stadium and watch the game yeah
0: I just wanted to clarify. So the tournament's still happening. But a bunch of people flew out there from, well, in one of the tweets, the guy's like, hey, I just got here five hours ago from Brazil, man. The guy flew from Brazil, and, well, you can't go Uh, and see the games anymore. Like, that is so shit. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine if Riot did that, like, how bad people would be? I'm sure that the feeling is just the same when it comes to Valve canceling the live audience like that. That is so bad. Yeah. Um. And, and, like, a lot of people could say, like, well, it's COVID. They didn't know that they would have to cancel it. And it's like, well, look at Worlds happening right now. They knew better a month ago to, to actually, like, cancel live viewing. And they even went to a whole other region because they realized. So, like, mm-hmm. you can't tell me that there's no foresight to be able to say, like, oh, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe we should just have no viewers and just go back to Iceland. Valve could have done the same thing, and they didn't. And they screwed over a bunch of fans, I'm sure, which is absolutely insane
1: yeah it's funny because like whenever worlds would roll around like anyways like people would always be like man like league is always so late to release like where it's happening when are tickets available the exact dates because you know people want to plan out their trips and whatnot and it feels like you know kind of this situation sort of gives me a greater appreciation that one riot does have the foresight to like work through all the logistics beforehand like obviously Mm -hmm. special case scenario here like we're working in covid but like These are kinds of things that get planned, like, months and months and months in advance, like, logistically, where it's happening, when it's happening, how it's happening, and whatever, and, you know, Riot has always done a pretty spot-on job with putting on, you know, international events and big competitions, whether it's, like, all-stars, even just, like, the LCS and the LEC and the LPL and the LCK, like, it's all really, really great, and thank God that we didn't have some shit like that happen.
0: Yeah, and if we're going to give shit to Riot about their bad balance and stuff like that, it's good to give them props where they do things really well. And they made the right decision by saying, look, this is going to be a nightmare to try to do live viewership and try to do it in China where we still don't know what's going on with the variants and all that Let's not pretend
1: these things are equal. Their balance sucks.
0: Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is, like, if you're going to give – if you're not going to give – if you're going to give shade when they do something bad, you need to give credit when they do something good. And so – Hats off to Riot for doing the right thing here and not screwing over a bunch of fans that wanted to go to the event by canceling four or five days or whatever it is before. The, that just sucks. Yeah. Should have given that bean soup, actually. This is true. That's... Um, one other thing, though, that we did not add last night in our preparations, Jntunafk. Oh. Uh, Oh. There's a new head of global eSports, oh. global League of Legends eSports for Riot. Yes, yes. Her name is Naz Alitaha. I might be saying that name wrong. I'm sorry. As you guys, If you guys have listened to the whole episode, you know that I've definitely struggled with the pronunciation of names. Uh, But anyways, there's a new global head of LOL Esports. So cool. I don't know anything about her though. So I say cool. she
1: She put out like a twit longer saying like, oh, hello, this is me. I was like, I like skimmed through it while I was walking the dog. I honestly don't remember a single thing that I read from it, but hopefully this person does a good job. Yeah. I wish them Well, the and also
0: the LCS is supposed to have a new commissioner that they said that they were going to look for one a while ago and I believe that process is still happening. That makes me a little bit nervous. Well, the LCS the starts LCS, in they like three months, a, so. They were supposed to find a commissioner a while ago and they still have maybe they found one they just haven't announced, I don't know, but that's know. besides the point. This episode's gone pretty long. Yep, Let's we're, close we're it out, ramblers. Jay-Z. Yeah, any ramblers right here, rambling. Uh okay guys, so we did our best to bang out an episode in between plans and groups. Groups start, what, like two days or something? Monday morning, so yeah. Yeah, so not a lot of time. Uh, sorry for those that felt like they had to rush through the episode. Um, we appreciate you, though. And our next episode is supposed to be when, J&T? Uh, mm. I can find it. The 13th, so in like four days, we're going to do another one after the first part of groups. Yeah, just a quick click. That's, that's the plan for now. Things can change, guys. The, yeah, yeah. This is a wacky schedule. for now. Uh, on the 13th, and I, I mean, we'll tweet out when we're doing a live episode, if, if so. Um, yeah, keep an eye on Twitter. You can follow uh, myself at j underscore GG. You can follow T at T at 250 on Twitter. Uh, we'll try to let you guys know there when we're going live and when an episode comes out. Um, yeah. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying Worlds. I know we are. It's been yes. fucking cool.
1: Hopefully. and JNT. JNT what? Anything you want to say before we close it out? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, like, this is where Worlds really starts, like, let's be honest here. Like, it was, like, plans were fun, that's cool. Glad that they were kind of done in a nice and timely fashion, but, like, world starts right now.
0: Yeah, sorry, uh, Lamau asking in the live chat. We did cover that already, it's at the very start, but the, the episode will be uploaded soon. JNT's really pretty good at getting on top of that right away, so, um, we'll, uh, the episode should be up soon. Anyways. This has been episode 60 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Hopefully see you guys on Wednesday the 13th. And if not, I'm sure we'll see you guys soon. So uh, adios for now and enjoy the group stage.